That's fine. All right. It's Han- perfectly safe. Okay. It's hilarious. Sure? Yes. Go to Hand. handjobsforcheap.com. Oh, no. Hand- that was the first or, thing that was said when we went live. It's There's nothing wrong with it. Trust okay, me. I'm going there right now. The is site like cannot White be House reached. Dot is that, is, gov or whatever? No, oh, with the the letter, the number com. four. Handjobsforcheap. Oh, thank you. <laughs> just, We're classy what a, here. We are, I'm not is, gonna chance it just in case my wife were to walk in. She's like, "What? Are, what are you typing in on the address <laughs> yeah, exactly. bar? I'm not doing it." Exactly. <laughs> oh, one does he do surgery on hands. Yeah. yeah. So my buddy, who's a hand surgeon, was like making fun of me the other day. He's like, <laughs> "Yeah, I also own the shop, the, the site handjobsforcheap.com. So I bought it and pointed it to his profile." <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty funny. <laughs> Wow, I see Dr. John Brain. Got it. He's a he's actually he's a great hand doctor, but it's hilarious because I'm like, yeah. so later on I said to him, I'm like, hey, have you ever clicked on that site and tell him I did it? He's like, no, why would I click on that? I'm like, hey, you should try clicking on it, and I get this text back like, you son of a bitch, and I buy that. <laughs> <one>. <laughs> the, the chatters are all like, what? <laughs> what are we on the right funny. channel? All right, I gotta turn this phone off. Yep, I turned my phone off. Turned off Alexa. What's going on? Uh, no more creamed corn. Yeah. Alexa, buy one gallon of creamed corn. Uh, <laughs> there's no Alexa in the room anymore. Darn. But it wouldn't matter because you're wearing headphones unless you have your speakers on at the same time. True. Yeah, I do, I do it all the way. That was back in the day. <laughs> oh, crap. I stopped doing that. I'm plugging my headphones. Ah. <sighs> Well, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles. So, uh, you guys that were a little bit late to the pre-show, you'll just have to (laughs) wing it with us because you missed all the instructions. Did? Yes. I don't follow instructions well anyway, so probably a good thing. Which is, everyone keep note of that. He's a doctor. He operates. (laughs) Hey, listen, you just got to invent what you're doing. You show up for trauma. It's different every time. Yeah, uh, that's messed up, is what. That Just is. connect the stuff back together. Like, look, that piece there, this piece here. There we go. This one fits. A couple screws in. Let's oh go. my goodness. Nope. Yeah. No, that's not okay. That's... And the nice thing is, is that if it's not quite right, it's the body. It heals. Well, that's right. It'll heal around that. Yeah. Right. It's just like you know, if you dye your hair, it'll grow out. Well, no, it's it's funny because people say like, oh, so you're just like a, a high-end woodworker. And I'm actually, like, I say to them, actually, my joints don't need to look as good because the bone will just fill the gap. Nice. Mind so if your gap. miters aren't perfect, nobody will ever know. Mind the gap. Mind the gap. That's what I always say. <laughs> Live from KOYR Studios in Minneapolis, Minnesota, this is Arcade Radio. <laughs> Commander, computer reporting. Intruder alert,
simulating opponent. Hello and thanks for joining us in the Arcadosphere. This is Season 4, Episode 28 of the Arcade Radio Podcast. Today is Thursday, July 9th, 2020, and the time is now approximately 7.19pm Central. I'm your host, Adam Grudge Matchington. I'm joined by my co-host, Mark. Why is so everything so heavy in the future? Shields and Paradise Arcade Shop proprietor and Fletch impersonator, Brian Thurston Howell Armitage III. And in for a special news segment on Grinkers, we have Sodasick from Clav and Steve from Grinkers. Later tonight, one of the first... Five software game designers to work for Atari, who also went on to design both Macintosh hardware and software for Apple. He pioneered one of the first digital broadband systems in the United States. What can this man not do? Ladies and gentlemen, we will have Owen joining us, Mr. Owen Rubin, joining us later in the show. Hey, Steve. Hey, Isaac. Welcome to the show. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. Normally we do a little warm-up. We talk about what we've been working on. So I'm going to rifle through mine. Um, I have uh, not been working on hardly anything arcade-related. Uh, I did put some Omega Race glass in my Omega Race and had to get it working again. Um, and I discovered that uh, the two 10K pots uh, responsible for the sound and the sockets on the soundboard all need replacing. So I'm going to be doing that. Uh, and then also, uh, I sent some stuff off to Brian to be scanned. I have a, um, uh, a couple years ago, I, I was going to scan the gapless cocktail underlay, uh, because nobody makes it. And so I thought, oh, I'll, I'll scan this. And so I took it off my machine and it was probably like January and in Minnesota and uh, I was walking it back to the house and I dropped it and shattered into like a billion pieces. Oh, so uh, I took it and I scanned it. Uh, it had, you know, warbles all in, up from the heat because those late uh, Bally Midway tops were three-quarter inch plywood with um, hardly any gap for... Uh, plus they put in a, uh, a universal top on it so you could put in either a horizontal or vertical monitor in your cocktail. So it allowed all this heat to damage Tapper, Journey, Gapless, any of those late model Bally Midways. So... Uh, I took all the ripples and everything and scanned them and sat around. They sat around for years. And so finally, I stitched them all together last year, started working on it, um, and gave up. And I gave them to Brian, and he's got a guy working on it right now. So we could end up with some gapless underlays for people who actually want to replace their gapless CPOs. Uh, Anyway, uh, Brian. I have been working on a number of things. Actually, I just... Exciting! Um, getting back a bunch of PCBs. I've got Amplifone deflection boards, 6100 deflection boards, a bunch of power supply adapters that I was working on that uh, are for my projects. And then this glass I finally finished. So my dog bike was sitting in a warehouse with one complete glass in the front. And then I went back to pick it up and there was a line across the middle and two pieces of glass, which is not how it's supposed to be. Mm. So... This artwork is all recreated now. I just need to get it printed. So pretty exciting there. Cool. Um, aside from that, mostly I've been fixing other people's stuff. Nice. <laughs> I've been showing up out with the guys in the shop and troubleshooting a few things uh, and helping out there where I can or getting in the way. And I think he's going to be announcing it on Facebook, but it should be coming soon, is that uh, Billy7 uh, is going to be joining the shop in a more formal well, long term. 
That's so we're kind of excited about oh, that. Oh, I forgot all about Billy. So I stopped by the shop too last week with a, I picked up a new uh, a new used piece of junk uh, English Spark Darts uh, Super Six Plus Two, to, uh, and I'm going to make one good one out of the two bad ones I have. Um, but it, while I was there, Billy Seven, uh, I mean, was standing next to a Pac Man Plus, and we got to talking, and I said, "Hey, you know, I have a Pac Man Plus conversion kit, uh, new in the box, basically never used." And uh, um, he's like, "Does it have the stickers in it?" And I'm like, "What, what stickers?" And so apparently there were these stickers that you could put on the bezel that would uh, inform you of the exciting new game and, you know, entice you to play. And you could put them over the old rules for Pac-Man that were on there. So just a small sticker, you know, about, I don't know, four by two. Uh, And it turns out that uh, my kit has two of them in there and and we're going to scan that and reproduce them. So people with Pac-Man Plus, if you're missing the stickers, uh, we'll have those available sometime soon. So, Mark, what are you working on? Well, I am sending a telepathic message to Adam. Uh, but what am I working on? Yeah, go ahead. You can read it right now. Oh, oh, I, okay. Well, I, I wasn't sure what that was, so I'm just going to talk about what I worked on. Okay. And then, and and then I'll, we can I'll, segue I'll go get the props while you do that. How's that? Oh, nice. All right. Okay. So I have been working on a – well, I, I have an environmental disc control I bought last month. In, well, now it's I bought it in May. And it was missing a translate, and so I thought, "Hey, how how can I like, you know, fill in the gap where it takes a year for this old game to print it for me?" So I went and made an animation. I, well, I actually cut up the highest resolution version of it that I could find, and then mock the magic man, Steve Wesson, uh, went nuts and just had so much fun creating these animations and stuff like that. And then he handed it back to me, and then I added all this audio with panning audio and all this stuff. And we released it yesterday, the day before the 38th anniversary of Tron's release. Today, actually, is the 38th anniversary. I think it is. Mm-hmm. Either today or yesterday. So so now, if you uh, go look, uh, go to YouTube and look at Mock the Magic Man with no space, M-O-K, uh, you can see the video in its entirety. It's pretty cool. Uh, I just bought a 21.3-inch 4x3 uh, architecture monitor, like a flat screen that they make. They still make them in non-widescreen format, and I'm going to put that back there. And you know, it's it's not that much of a hack. I know Steve got to see that. So does it look, does it look as good in real life as it does in the video? It, oh, it's it's way better. Okay. <laughs> yeah, awesome. yeah. It's and amazing. This, and this monitor that I'm getting is a very black, very black blacks. And so um, I think that's going to improve the look because it already has like a black like black light kind of feel to it. Um, so yeah. so I'll do, I'll do another video once I finally get the final monitor in there and stuff. Um, but I mean, I do want to have a real translate in there as well. I've got this, you know, the fluorescent that's going to turn on and off that, that all that all all that stuff is there. But I thought it would be fun to animate it. Sorry, go ahead. Yep. What do you do for the uh, sound? So does the sound just pump through the regular sound system? Do you have separate speakers? Uh, well, the speakers that go to the uh, the top above your head are actually easily accessible. So I'm right now. I just have uh, uh, alligator clips clipped on, but um, the panning is very diverse. So it's extreme left and right stuff. So when something whizzes by in the background, you can hear it. I figure that the volume will be very faint. You know, it doesn't need to be louder than the game. It's just meant to sort of augment the feel of of the thing. So that's kind right. of fun. Um, that's it, really. Um, 
I watched Back to the Future 3 on my, I have like a regular CRT television set here, but I played it on my Mac, so I now have an HDMI to RF adapter. And then uh, the fun part about that was it was in PAL mode when I started, so I couldn't see the menu to get it into freaking NTSC mode. For half an hour, I was screaming and yelling and stuff like that, but then I finally figured out how to get it in there, and then, oh, that sounds like what she, that's what she said, Joe. <laughs> damn okay i think i'm gonna end on a high note (laughs) hey we started out with hand jobs for cheap a half hour to get it in there oh it's just terrible all right nobody everybody if anybody anybody watching the show does that do it's hand jobs for the number four four. (laughs) yeah that's great Oh, hey, uh, we've got a commercial this week. Ryan Berger of Old School Gamer Magazine sent me a bunch of Old School Gamer Magazines to check out and share with our listeners on the show. So I don't know if you guys have seen this magazine, but uh, there's been like a half dozen or dozen so of these uh, uh, Old School Gamers, the 70s. Uh, Yeah, so every month you get, or I don't know if it's bi-monthly or what. This one's like a Nagel. (laughs) That's pretty funny. Um, and you know the the covers get better and better as they you know progress, but they're chock full of good information and uh, old school and posters and stuff. There's like a big poster in this one. Max Hedrum looking stuff. Yeah, uh, this here. Let me get the poster out. This is kind of cool. It's a Max Hedrum style. Let's go. It's a me and Mario. Mario Hedrum. That's kind of fun. So. Uh, anyway, if you want it, uh, get the magazine. Go to oldschoolgamer.com uh, and uh, get a subscription. And there's all kinds. It's kind of like Retro Gamer, uh, but I think stateside, this is really the only retro gaming themed magazine uh, that's available. Uh, otherwise, you got to pay a, a fortune to get Retro Gamer over here from uh, the the UK. So anyway, they uh, they asked me to talk about it. So we're gonna uh, next time I'll uh, I'll have gone through some of the magazines and maybe I can pick out a an article or something. Uh, so that brings us to our next segment, which everybody loves um, to skip the, the gadget segment in favor of this segment because it's so much better than the gadget segment. It's the Arcade News with Adam Stevens. <laughs> Brian likes that. Uh, I skipped him this time so anyway this one is from arcade radio and it is grinkers needs our help and steve might deny it uh he may even be humble about it but uh in june uh i believe you said mr steve uh that people say movie theaters are one of the worst places expected to be decimated by covid and unfortunately grinkers is similar to a movie theater but worse because in addition to being closer together people touch the same buttons and joysticks over and over not complimentary at all to our current world situation. So you also added that your options are to close down or reinvent. And I know that uh, you've had reduced revenue stream, uh, something like 50% uh, customer reduction, that which equals 50% revenue reduction. You know, because some people are going to say like, no problem, let's go to Grinkers. The other half is just won't, won't show up, and so that's a problem. And uh, you can't, you can do that for a little while, but. After three months of losses, um, that is not tolerable. So the options are to change your business model, which you have. And maybe you could tell us a little bit about how you've changed your business model, Steve. 
Sure. Yeah. And another recent setback is they, uh, our county was moved back a stage. Uh, so the rest, the rest of the state is like stage four, but Ada County where Boise and Eagle are just got moved back to stage three. So, um, yeah, who knows how long this stuff's going to last, right? That's the big question. Uh, but yeah, we have, uh, you use the word reinvent. That's definitely a correct and proper word. Um, we have, um, made the big switch to not for profit. Um, so we are not for profit. So it's really, uh, Grinkers is, a um, a collective effort by everybody that's participating. Sort in of it. a clubhouse co-op model. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, and you know, everybody, um, everybody chips in to keep the place going. Um, and I think that environment works best when it's a not-for-profit, right? So if it's uh, everybody's chipping in, but I'm making money off of you all, then it's not the same as everybody chips in and, and the, the amount collected hopefully one day will equal the, the cost and it'll pay for itself. And mm-hmm. if we can achieve that, then we can keep it going forever. So you also, I mean, you have to have lower occupancy. That's required by the, by the state now, right? So We're about 10%. Our occupancy right now is limited to ten percent of our capacity. That's crazy. That's yeah. that's like okay. So three hundred games. That's thirty games. So thirty people. Fifty people. Fifty. Okay. At, at that at that level, it's almost like opening the doors probably costs more than just staying closed. Right. It, absolutely, it does. Um, so there's there's tremendous financial incentive to just close, right? Mm-hmm. Stop the bleeding and yep. just you know you flip the switch and <laughs> and all the pain stops, right? Yep. Uh, but um, you know one of the one of the recurring themes, um, really thanks to my good friend Isaac here, uh, one of the one of the recurring themes is you know and it's it's important for me to remember this is you know Grinker's a special place and it's worth like trying to get through all this, right? It would it would suck in, in five years if we had to look back and be like, "Yep, we, it died because of COVID." I mean, that's we'd have to live with that forever, right? And that would just suck. Yeah. And so, um, so it's worth fighting for is the number one thing, and the, and the number two thing is this is like a momentary thing, right? So right now the situation really personally is not pleasant. You know, it's not a fun thing to have to work on this, uh, um, but what I try and do is maintain focus on the long term as opposed to the short term, right? So in a year or however long it takes to get through all this crazy stuff, um, in a year, hopefully none of this stuff will matter anymore, right? And, and it'll be like, uh, yeah. hey, cool, I'm glad we, I'm glad we fought, fought through that because the place still lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm looking forward to that moment, and that's what's kind of pulling me forward. <laughs> that's Yeah, so... Um... Yeah, basically there was this clubhouse model model adopted. Everyone chips in and pays their dues, so you can do like a monthly or a, a, a quarterly, or um, you can even uh, you can even just do a whole year. Or you, there's family memberships. That's all available at the Grinkers website. The other thing that uh, is interesting is uh, the the idea to alleviate some of the the state tax licenses for the games came from somebody um where you can adopt a game or or uh, sponsor a game at grinkers um by paying the tax license which is 45 dollars uh and then that game gets to make it to the floor so to speak or you know hypothetically a game gets to make it to the 
the floor. Not hypothetically. It, a game actually gets to make it to the floor. Um, so uh, before we talk about that a little bit more, uh, Isaac, why don't you tell us how you got involved with this? And uh, let me just preface this by saying uh, this whole thing fell in my lap as a news article because I went to Clove to look f- to see if Grinkfest might be happening and check up on Grinkers. And the first post I found was from Sodasic on Clove. So Isaac, tell us what what you had in mind. Isaac, Isaac, actually, I want to give you a little bit of an intro here, if, if I may. Um, so uh, Isaac, my good friend, uh, is the guy that got me to come off of the position where I'm not going to take anybody's help, not going to ask for any help. And so Isaac really all of a sudden like came out of left field and was like, hey, Steve, um, let's let's get you some help and uh he's the one that talked me into doing it and i'm grateful for it because it relieved a lot of stress and it created a lot of different possibilities that didn't exist before so with that uh, isaac thank you for what you've done and um maybe explain to everybody what you how you started it like adam said thank you steve i appreciate that um honestly i just i just really enjoyed going to grinkers i mean um this would have been the sixth year going to grinkers in october and uh, um, I'm the type of person that if I really enjoy something, I'm going to do whatever I can within my power to keep it going. And I don't know, Grinkers to me, it's like when I posted that on Clove, um, granted I was a little bit drunk, but no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but I really meant what I said. I mean, to me, it was it was a time, it was something that it was like a, like a, something that reminded me of how things were back before, like. 20, 30 years ago when things are a little bit more simple and it was just a nicer, it was just a nicer time. And, uh, and I just told Steve when I, when I sent him a message, I said, you know, what can I do to help you out? I mean, let's, let's, let's think about different options. I mean, there's different avenues that we can all maybe look into. And, uh, you know, I was just happy to do whatever I could within my power to, to help him out. So. Um, I'm yeah, just happy about that. And so, th- at this point, we're we're really getting some good traction. So I'm I'm really excited that, um, you know, that we're we're continuing to get that uh, momentum going. And uh, Mark is posting links to the uh, chat right now, where you can see all this stuff. There is a um, a Discord uh, Grinkers uh, server that you can jump on and be a part of. And there's several threads in there if you want to sponsor a game or if you want to. Just chat with people that want to keep Grinkers alive. That's a good spot to do it. Um, the Clav uh, thread is open, too, so you just got to search for Grinkers, uh, and so does Sick, and you'll find it. Um, so a, a couple things. There is a big, long uh, list of games that can be adopted. Uh, there's still lots of games that you can adopt. There's a bunch of Donkey Kong games. Uh, I saw, last I saw, Crazy Kong was still available. Uh, Pioneer Balloon, Quantum... Uh, Seawolf, one and two, uh, Sprint, Spy Hunter, uh, Star Trek Strategic Operation. I don't know why that one's not mm. sponsored. So, but you know, there's a bunch of games, and uh, again, you're sponsoring a name of a game that you love, or if you want to re-sponsor a game, go ahead because they'll use the money for something else to keep a game on. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cool thing is, is that in this short period of time, from basically the l- late June till now, um, we've managed to. I think I counted today 154 sponsorships. And and Steve, you have 305, 306 games on the floor? Eight, 308. 308. So we got halfway there. So that's pretty freaking cool. 
Um, is there an exterminator? so (laughs) you don't need that game running steve nobody will play it and if they do they'll just want you to turn it off and it might catch on fire anyway so don't even bother because it's cheap like a house have it right here so Uh, i think it's important to note that you when you adopt a game you're actually paying for the license tag essentially yeah yeah right that that gives the steve the right to have the game turned on in the first place which is actually a pretty reasonable price for i guess a for very i am mad at my because, state <laughs> and i think that steve has had a lot to do with the legislation in in his county and state were uh regarding the licensing and and the operation of such a enterprise uh correct me if i'm wrong see but i think we've had conversations about that so. Yeah, the state senators and the and the governor and we've been we've we've engaged at all levels, but most of those levels just turn a blind eye. Yeah, um, I mean, but, and this is BS, right? Like we're going through a crisis, and even though you can't ridiculous. get uh, more than ten percent occupancy, they want to tax you for all the games. Correct. Full price. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I I said, hey, let, let us let us pay you. Um, at a rate that's commensurate with the occupancy. So as the occupancy grows, we'll be able to buy more as we go. Yeah. But they're, they fail to see that logic. Um, yeah. They're pretty much, it's, it's the Idaho State Tax Commission is like a letter of the law. Like, sorry, the, the law says this, and so we can't do that. Unless you um, changed. And yeah. so they pretty much say, go talk to your legislators, and then that puts you into a political, you know, like, yeah. years-long process. So, um so yeah, what's being done now just really eliminates that issue. You know, the the community coming up with the money just takes that problem off the table. It mm-hmm. solves that problem for us, so we can shift our focus back to the actual goal of all the other expenses, right? Yes. Um, so, uh, so yeah, again, Isaac, man, thank you so much. Um, yeah, tax stickers, forty five bucks, uh, forty five bucks to sponsor a game for a year, um, and we're hoping to raise the rest of that money um, here in the next week or two so mm-hmm. um uh, we're going to put your name um in in the vestibule so as you walk in you'll have the game name and, and your sponsorship and we're also going to put it on the website so that's you cool. know uh, in appreciation like uh, buy this brick type of thing you know but you're buying your sponsorship <laughs> by the way uh just to close out uh on a positive uh, both mark and i did uh sponsor games M- mark sponsored Super Pac-Man. Yeah, and I sponsored Tunnel Hunt in honor of nice. Owen Rubin, who's on the show in just a little bit. So I want to thank you guys for coming on and talk about this. I, we could do a whole show about it, I'm sure, and I'd love to have Isaac and Steve. I'm sure we're going to have you on again. We'll get an update. Um, and I, I love talking to both of you guys. Grinkers is my favorite arcade in the United States. I Same. can't wait to go back to it. Um, love you both, and thanks so much for working on getting this thing supported. So. Thanks, Thanks so much for having us. Appreciate it. Yep. Yeah, appreciate you guys. All right. We'll, we'll see you soon. And, and keep Steve. listening, and it's going to be a fun show with Owen in a few minutes. So, yeah. Steve, let's catch up later. I may be able to talk to you a little bit about something that we did like this to help you out a little bit. <laughs> nice. So, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. There's some fun stuff we're doing that we'll talk about. But, thanks, guys. Yeah, I'll talk to you later. Take care. Take care. All right. So, that was good. That was a, a fun little update. Um, and,. And I gotta uh, make sure that we can get Owen get rearranged again. Get Owen back on here. Everybody, everybody enjoyed the rearranging. Yeah, it's kind of funny, you know. I we was get... doing this. Yeah, you missed that. Oh. <laughs> For those of you listening on the podcast uh, later on after we go live, uh, 
you miss out. You, you, if you really like the show, go to YouTube and find it. It's fun too. <laughs> and uh, you want to hit the bumper so I can get going while you do this rearranging? Oh, oh yeah. Uh, what? I'm, I'm you sorry. Know? You wanted to do something? All right. I mean, you know, I'm I always here. felt that the true stars at Atari was engineering. Oh, you're an inventor. Yes, I am. What have you invented? A lot of things. Like? Like a lot of things. Like things that you've heard of. Like? Well, things that you will have heard of, okay? Patents are patents. Arcade gadgets with Welcome to the gadget section. Uh, so, I should probably talk really slow and drag this part out a lot. Yeah, I think that'd be a great idea. <laughs> Mr. I'm going to show up like two minutes before I have to be on the air. What are you? <laughs> so I'm the talent. I'll just show up guys, when I can. You guys saw this. Yeah. So yeah. we did the uh, chicken chip boards. But what we came up in the thread the other day, which was just so much, so much fun, was a game that people <laughs> haven't seen in a while called Off the Wall. So we were actually able to, this is a, a fit test of um, a control panel printed on the printer that's right here to my left. And so we were able to actually do these. Now, one of the things that is interesting about the Bally Senti um, <clears throat> control panels that we're going to be making, if you notice, the black doesn't go all the way to the edge. So if you look at the original panels, they're actually silk screened onto a um, powder coated metal. And so the black silk screen didn't go all the way to the edge. So when these are done, these are going to look exactly like the originals. And ironically, aside from the fact that we're using a new UV printer, there will be a white layer. There was originally on the silk screens a white layer laid down with the silk, and then they printed all the inks on top of that. So if you wear away a Bally Senti panel, you'll always see white underneath. That's how they got all the lettering and everything else. That is exactly how we're going to be doing it here. So it's these should be as close to the original, including the little like speckled powder coating on the pieces. Um, and we will have these for Chicken Shift, Snacks and Jackson, Goalie Ghost, Hat Trick, uh, and a few others off and, the wall. Yeah, and off the wall. <laughs> Excellent. So for those of you who don't know, this one, this this panel hadn't been seen for years. Like people couldn't find it, couldn't find it, couldn't find it. And then somebody posted it in the thread and we actually re-perspective the art. We didn't even have a scan and this was all recreated from two yeah, he- photographs on the uh in the thread can you hold that so. up to the camera just a little bit closer just uh just so people can see some it. of the detail no wait it's pretty cool yeah, that's nice yeah there's some other details that need to be fixed on it but it it's pretty accurate for just taking the, a picture and redoing the two it. things need to be fixed are these holes need to be oblong which isn't a big deal yeah and then the date down here it needs to be 1984 not 80 but overall it's it's really close. Yeah. So nice work. Uh, and I know you have an original they, panel on the way to prepare it to. I think. I hope so. I haven't heard from him in a few days. So this is a hat trick panel. So that's how they'll come in, get powder coated, and move on. Excellent. The the other gadget that I wanted to talk about. We'll take about twenty minutes on this next one. We got time, right? Whoa. No, we don't. <laughs> We're running out of time. Uh, Garage Rod Arcade is doing a run of Atari audio boards for. Road Blaster, 720, Championship Sprint, Super Sprint, APB, or Gauntlet, one or two. They're two different products, mm-hmm. but he is redoing those on KLOV. You should go check it out. I've been talking to him. We're getting him out of his current uh, PCB producer that's charging him a lot more, so there can be a bit more of a margin. I've been actually on the phone with him a couple times the last couple days. So very exciting to do this again. So if you need 720 APB championship sprint, road blasters or super sprint or gauntlet audio boards, they're coming. Excellent. 
And wait a minute. Oh, Major Havoc. Is that going to so, be a prize tonight? This can be a prize tonight. Nice. I have a number of these. All right, so we're going to give uh, is that going to be like number prize number one for like the number one winner? These are these are pretty nice. Okay, so Major Havoc, uh, a large coffee mug in black. Beautiful. Uh, you're going to have to send one of those to Owen, you know. I will probably have to do that. These are really done well. Like, this is like my sample. Excellent. All right, well, uh, I guess we should That's move it. on to the next uh, segment. <laughs> Back in 82. I used to be able to throw a pigskin quarter mile. Back, back to the cave with, with Time Runner. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? Why, yes, Doc. There actually is something wrong with Earth's gravitational pull. Let's talk about it tonight. What? Again. Again, yes. Oh, I say that a lot, don't I? Well, <laughs> I thought that I would change up the show tonight just a little bit. First of all... I'd like to adopt the Doc Mac method of speaking. Oh, no. What <laughs> is hey that? Guys. Hey, guys. How's going? How's no, I can't going? do it. I, I tried to do it. He, hey, guys. He is, he is legit. That's like the normal way he talks. So that's the <laughs> great part about that. Uh, so I'm going to give an arcade origin story tonight. And tonight's arcade from the 80s will be Time Out. How did that, how did that place come into being? I will tell you right now, really quickly, and with vocal fluctuation. Okay, here goes. <laughs> Inflection? Inflection. God dang it. I, I, you, almost got yes. it. you almost got it. <clears throat> yeah, thanks, sir, because I, I couldn't think of the word indent earlier this week. <laughs> I'm like telling somebody, you know that space in between the text? And, and they're like, what do you mean the indention? And I'm like, god dang it. <laughs> Rain. Okay. In 1970, Tico Bonamo opened the first timeout family amusement center. He had just sold his interest in a taffy company. This is hilarious that he sold to Tootsie Roll Industry. Isn't that kind of bizarre? Tootsie Roll sort of fomented the rise of the timeout arcade. Yeah. So yeah, he was looking uh, to you know at these electromechanical arcade games, and they decided he also would open an instant portrait studio. I don't know if that uh, turned out into you know glamour shots or not, but we'll we'll have to see there. Um, the first location was in the Northway Mall in Colony, New York. Shout out to Colony, New York. That was a resounding success. The next year, he opened four more locations, including those in Maryland, Pennsylvania, Florida. Uh, and it turns out he opened that business just in time to catch on to the vi- the first video game boom. And then by 1975, there were a dozen timeouts. A dozen timeouts. That's a lot of timeout. It is. I know. Somebody's been really naughty. By 1978, there were 20, and as video game arcades began to gain a reputation for a hangout, hangout for unruly teens like Adam and Brian. Yes. <laughs> time I was out, a, they began I was, to revamp oh, their image by brightening up their arcades with rainbows and brighter colors. <laughs> it, did, it didn't backfire at all. Hey, look at that. Adam's arcade. <laughs> There's bright colors. Oh, wait till we it's talk about the uh, origin of Adam's Arcade. That'll be good. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it turned out great. Uh, but in December of 1986, Benamo, he sold the entire chain, which at that point was 74 locations, including non-mall station break locations, in 15 states plus D.C. and Puerto Rico to Sega. <laughs> oh, that he makes sense. His, yeah, he stayed on as president and CEO. He passed away in 1989. 
Bless you, Tico Bonamo, founder of Time Out. That's pretty cool. I liked that. So I suppose that brings us up to the next segment where I ask, What's in the juke? Welcome. Welcome to What's in the Juke, where we talk about uh, playing some music for you. Oh, I totally blew the intro. Mother effer. <laughs> to play What's in the Juke, we'll play a small snippet of a song from the 80s. And if you can guess the song's title, you'll get a point. If you can guess the artist, you'll also get a point. If you can guess both, you'll get a full point. If you don't know it, fight it out. <laughs> Adam, what's All our right. first song? Well, uh, don't tell us what our first song is. What's our first clip? Okay, first clip. Good. Oh, boy. That's enough. Oh. I think that's enough. So yeah. good. <laughs> Such a All right, so that's cool. Uh, I, hey, check that out. Uh, Rajav, what's his name? Uh, sponsored two games. Check that out. Def Leppard is correct. Sponsored two games. Well, uh, the Gleek actually got Def Leppard first. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, that was Photograph, Casey. Nice work. Okay, so okay. those guys get a half point. point. And we're on and Dolly. What's that? I said, hello, Casey and Dolly. How are you guys doing? Hey, welcome to the and, show. And, and children may be listening. I don't know. Yes, but they shouldn't be. All right, here we go. Here's your next clip. That's a good one. That's a. I love that tune. I, actually, that whole album is really good, but that's a good track. Yeah, and 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 some of these are deep cuts today. You know, mm. they're very. Oh, it is Gleek saga. Got it. Saga. And uh, Chris Peabody, wind him up is close enough. It is the exact name of the song, actually. Uh, <laughs> so we'll give that to you yeah, this time. So you you'll so get it close. this time. So close. Well, lucky, and he's lucky we didn't hand him a quarter point. Half so, point. Can you can you play a teeny more portion of that? I mean, I know I recognize it. Sure. Uh, I'll go to the middle a little bit. Here we go. Now, if I play any more, we will definitely get yes. the show banned. So I'm not playing. You're anymore. All right. So uh, the next track is this one. Oh, that's oh, this is gonna harder. This is gonna be a much harder one. That one is good. I don't even recognize it. I'm like, that was good. Answering random. A- anybody in the chat getting anything? Uh, Brian Frober tried cars. That was not. That's cars, actually a good Brian. guess, Sorry. but I'll, I'll go to the middle. This this one actually might stump. Some oh wait, people. somebody got the title. Holy crap! Mr. The Peabody. Gleek. The Gleek got the call before Mr. Peabody, but. The song is Wall Came Down. So the Gleek gets the point, right? Am I reading that right? Let me see here. Let's look. I uh, see the Walls Came Down first by Mr. Peabody, and oh. then the very next line, yep. the Gleek with yep. the call. Half so they point. split it. So they get a half point. All right, you guys, uh, second and third place winners tonight. Our second place winner will get a Dig Dug fridge magnet. Pretty awesome. Big uh, magnet. And then uh, this little guy, you get uh, third place will get a Donkey Kong cereal magnet and you know why i did donkey kong today because it is donkey kong's birthday today How donkey old? kong was released in 1981 did you know that 
Oh my God, thirty nine years old. Something like that. Something like that. Yep. Incredible, dude. There was no COVID then. All right here comes uh, your next track. Uh, oh, that's it. Nice. And we probably got banned too. Just in one fell swoop, everything. Yeah. Here's a hint. I had one of these. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I had two. Oh no. I don't know how your first. It's your second one is. It is Billy Idol. That's Billy Seven. Thanks for playing. And it is White Wedding. Brad Holman. White Wedding on the board. So half point for both of those fellas. Thanks for playing. All right, here comes your next track. <laughs> I just love this song. It's such a, and here's the thing: all of these songs were on the countdown this week in 1983. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it is bang on the drum. Uh, it's banged the drum all day, but we'll give it to you. Um, so Billy Seven, you got a point, right? And uh, who got the artist? Nobody. Todd Rundgren, Casey. Nope. All the way at the top, Randy. I see Randy got it. King with Todd Rundgren. He was song. right in there. That was. Cl- I'm. I'm gonna give it to Randy. Got Randy, it. welcome back to the show. Uh, and you're on the board. <laughs> fighting it out. We got a half, half point. point. Handing out points like crazy here. Here comes your next oh, track. That's a really hard one. That's all I'm giving. Wow. This was featured in um, Valley Girl, or it's on the Valley Girl soundtrack at, at least. Oh, I had a crush on that Valley Girl girl. Who <laughs> the, was she? I can't believe that was Nicolas Cage as her, you know, the the, the Valley guy, I yeah. guess. So we talk about this about once a year, Mark, and you Is can't remember her name. It's Deborah no, Foreman. Right. Deborah, Mink, Deborah Winger? Deborah oh, Foreman. Deborah Foreman. Yeah. I cannot remember she's in, that. I'm going to order a Deborah Foreman poster right now. She's in Valley Girl and Real Genius, which we were both in the thing tonight. Oh, I know the guy from Real Genius, Uncle. Uh, so anyway, who, who got these? Uh, cool Dances, uh, Cool Places. Cool Places is correct, Chris. And it is, I'm going to give it to the Gleek because it's Jane Wheedland, but it is uh, actually Sparks. Uh, so, uh, is he getting a full point? Eh, give him a quarter point. The Gleek gets a quarter point. Oh man, I have to figure out how to do math. <laughs> Mother effer. Okay. So wait, who's getting? And, and just for the record, Mark has had one beer tonight, and uh, I'm on my second beer. <laughs> okay, we have we have a we have a uh, couple minutes left to do some more before I, I think our guest is going to start knocking okay. on the door. All right, so here's the next track. Yep. I don't know. This is my favorite song by this band, so I can get it in that short amount of time, so I hope somebody else can. Uh, that is you too, Casey, and it is which song? Which song, gentlemen's New Year's Day? The Gleek. So it's a half point for the Gleek. Half point. Half point for the Casey. All right. Or the Kelsey, as we re- lovingly refer to him around here. One more track. That's your... This is an 80s dance right here. I'm going to make sure I'm not getting a knock on the door here. Because I got a notification. Uh, oh, it's just telling me there's a new Skype available. They're trying to keep yeah, up with too. it. Who got it? It's the Kinks, Randy Gelking, and it's Come Dancing, Casey. You each get a half point. Half point. Randy... Let's make this one uh, worth a couple, a couple points. All right. This one's worth a couple points. 
Pretty sure we did this one the show before, but uh, yes. Well, I mean, we've been on for four years, so people yeah. will forget it. Yeah, and we also <laughs> like do I the... forgot who plays Valley Girl. C- Casey is correct. It is Hackle and, and Oats. Uh, I already forgot who played Valley Girl. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> it is Family Man. Casey got two points for that. Uh, he pulls full ahead there. Full point. Full point yeah. for Casey times two. Yeah, <laughs> and Billy was close second with Hall and Oat. And in fact, I think you should Hall. give Casey. Uh, a half point for Hall and Oats because he didn't get it right. He got hackle anked Oats. And I think you should get a half point to Billy Seven for the other not correct answer. I'll just give them both two points. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> I mean, it's arbitrary anyway, right? So good. Yeah. All right. So we have one track I'm left. I'm making up my rules. Uh, and, and we have one track left, and then I'm going to dial Owen in. So, all right. Here he comes. And I know we've been flagged for this song before. Yep. I did I did the hand motion. It is not sharp dressed man. It is not sharp dressed man. It is easy top, Casey. It is gimme your lovin' that's close. Uh it is gimme all your lovin' the gleek. The gleek. Yeah. Alright. Alright. And then Casey says, Gimme all your failure. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> all right. Let's count them up. And see what we got. Well, coming up in third place was Billy Seven with three points. Ooh, then uh, Dig oh, Dug. Actually, wait, I, I'm sorry. Wait. Actually, uh, let me, no, I got Donkey Kong. Billy Seven actually came in second place, so he's the Dig Dug. Oh, you so were, he's the Dig correct. Dug. All right, he is. Sweet. And in third place was the Gleek Donkey Kong the cereal. DK cereal magnet. Nice. And in first place, Casey Relford. All right. 4.5 points. He really Incredible. wanted that mug. Muggy. All right. So I've got a sheet open with Casey's address, Mr. Brian. So you can go ahead and put that in the sheet and uh, send that off to him. Well, when you actually, can. if Casey sent his chassis, Casey was going to send a chassis over. So if okay. he did, we might toss one of these in there and ship it back to him. Yeah, if he didn't, then right, he's not try, getting the mug. Let's try calling <laughs> this, uh, this fellow and see if he'll join us tonight. He's pretty cool. My wife gave him a beer once at uh, Houston Arcade Expo. Owen? Yeah, she was wearing her beer purse. And, really? Uh, and she was, um, yeah, my, my buddy Keith, who runs Arcade Expo, was talking to him and saying a bunch of quote-unquote boring stuff, as my wife had said. And we could see Owen's face gloss over. And my wife was like, hey, you want a beer? Like, trying to break the boredom. And so, and, and, huh. and Owen was like, Actually, yeah, I would love a beer. <laughs> well, I just tried one of his accounts. I'll try the other one now. All right. Uh, they're not really, I don't know. They're they're nondescript. Let's see if this That's one works. Smart. I'm just going to be calling all of his numbers here. I don't Maybe he won't answer. I, I'm going to have to. Oh, hello? No. Nope. I think something happened. No, nope, nothing, nothing happened. We don't, we don't hear rings. Do you no. hear the rings? You shouldn't hear a ring because we're not dialing his phone. We're just calling oh, on I'm Skype. I'm at the, the Skype connecting ring, I guess. Oh, yeah. I don't know why that is. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. I mean, he did say he's going to try to make it at 6, and he might have been at work. But let's try this one more time uh, right. and see what happens. So, you guys go ahead and 
are the chatters what are the chatters doing hey, right now? So have you guys seen that the mini cutes launched from those guys and oh god, where is it? Have you got you've seen a Capcom mini cute, right? Uh no. Oh my gosh. They're actually they are really cute. Um Gamer is Gaming One is the company. Uh, they're based out of Europe and they're launching these Capcom mini cutes. I'm gonna actually throw up a link in the chat if you can put just up there. Actually, I can. He's gonna actually throw up. My Satan's Hollow is rebooting. It's scaring me. Here, if one of you guys can put this in the chat, because for some reason I cannot. Um, I just sent you a message. And so uh, they um, these so the mini cutes they're nineteen fifty euros, which comes out to like twenty two hundred US dollars, and I think they're about twenty seven hundred dollars shipped to your door. Um, <laughs> they are a small Capcom cabinet. We both pasted it into the chat, so at the same one. time. <laughs> um, small Capcom cabinet used back in the day. They're they're pretty awesome actually, and these guys pulled off a full reproduction. Uh, which is impressive. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of pieces to this. They're coming with TriSync monitors, so you'll be able to do all your games and more. I think they're putting in D7000s. Um, but yeah, and it, back in the day, they were they were about six to eight hundred bucks. Back in the day, I mean, shoot, ten, fifteen years ago, you can you can find those pretty easily. Anyways, they they're uh, interesting. There is one for sale right now on KLOV for about thirty two hundred, I think. Um, so, and I don't know if there'll be a cease and desist on this. I mean, it's a run of 40. So I'm kind of answering the chat questions as we go. Um, yeah. Run of 40 mugs? Mini cutes. Mini cutes. Mini cutes. Yep. They're called Capcom mini cutes. And, and it's a one to one repro? It is. It's actually, I mean, it is stunning how good of a job they did on these. It's not like, yeah, they got it kind of right. I mean, they. They nailed it on these. It's they're they're freaking perfect, down to using the correct uh, coin drops. I mean, it's just it's amazing, actually. Arcade Jason says Owen oh, Rubin time. I'm I'm the filler right now. I'm like the the fluffer until Owen shows up, I guess. <laughs> oh. Mark and I. That's right. Oh, we're fluffing. Yep. I, I sense a new. Domain name purchase coming. <laughs> I'm just going to start dialing all of the Owen Rubens until somebody answers. <laughs> knee, and it might not be the knee, Owen Ruben we promised to have on the show either. It could be knee a, jobs for free. No wait. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, Jason joined the show late, but Jason, you missed uh, a chance to win a major havoc mug. No, way to call him out right in the middle of this show. Bam. Done. <laughs> Come on. I'm just going to... Uh, so, you know, this happened when Brian Collin was going to do the show, too. Uh, Remember well, that? Except for Collin was asleep. Yeah, he was. That Colin. Was Brian Colin. I keep forgetting. Colin, you know, yeah. Colin. He doesn't like... Yeah. You know, he, I know people are like, should I not say Colin? No, you should say it. But it is. That's, I mean, maybe that's, should, that's how it's Hey, pronounced. should we call Brian Colin instead? <laughs> Does he know Owen? Like, would that I, be a weird family reunion? <laughs> I think they maybe do know each other. That'd be funny, actually. I don't know. I'm sure they know each other from traveling arcade circles. And is Nolan Bushnell all, all up right now? I mean, let's. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I did get word back that we are definitely getting his signature on one of these. Oh yeah, we didn't mention that. It's kind of cool. Uh, oh, the, 
I could call Uh-oh. Nolan Bushnell, but I'm. I don't think he really wants to talk to me. <laughs> He's probably forgotten all about it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he toked up when you slept. It's all right, you know. So <laughs> all right. Well, you know, we can always have a round two of what's in the juke. Hey, welcome to what's in the juke. Uh, <laughs> wait, do we have a voicemail? Maybe we have a voicemail. I'll, I'll check some that. time. Let's check some. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'll check the voicemail. In the meantime, okay. wait. Some... Did you find Owen during the voicemail? There's something really <laughs> dark here. I think Brian hid his laptop, and then it now he had. <laughs> okay, he's back. <laughs> I dropped. I dropped the circuit board. It hit exactly on the little power off PC thing on the keyboard. <laughs> like, it's like bam! And I'm like, no. <laughs> the comedy of errors. <laughs> so yeah, so we're getting. Uh, um, I talked to Tyler. Nolan's son, and um, Tyler said that Nolan had given us permission on the diagnostic PCBs to put his signature onto the uh, actual PCBs. So we're going to do a run of these with green boards with a gold Bally Senti across the top and then Nolan Bushnell's signature here, all in gold, on a green board. And we'll do a limited run of them. So it'd be kind of fun. All right. Well, we're going to check the voicemail here. Thank you for calling 612-548-GAME. This is Arcade Radio. Please leave your message after the tone. Hello, this is a prepaid collect call from... Francois Fernandez. An inmate at Florida Correctional Institution. This call is subject to recording and monitoring. To accept charges, press 1. Thank you for using T-Netics. You may start the conversation now. Hello, I'm calling for Mr. Bobby. Uh, he he says he, he's not feeling too good. Uh, uh, we got uh, some bad Taco Bell last night in the prison commissary. It was a uh, vintage frozen Taco Bell. What uh, that was a very bad idea. Uh, <laughs> I have a note that Bobby gave me to read to you. Uh, I'm supposed to read it, so uh, I guess I will since you are here. Uh, here goes, okay, here goes. <laughs> hey, Arcade Radio, it's your buddy Bobby Zarza. Uh, Zarza, I'm going to skip this part. Uh, control panel expert and tech, tech, technique, whatever. Um, good luck. With your owing Rubin interview, I wish I could be there, but I am busy. I am making the diarrheas. <laughs> I will see you guys next week, maybe. Zzzz. Oh, there's that word again. I'm not going to say. Whatever that word is, out. Okay, okay, I read it. And now Mr. Bobby, he now owes me $2. I'm going to go get that money now. Uh, goodbye. <laughs> that is something else. Wow. Well, it took long enough to hang up. Oh, that is. I don't even know what to say about that. I suffer. I'm kind of glad that Owen's not here. Right. He's like, what's this about diarrhea? And why? Yeah. And the call. When he shows up, do I have to do this to cover the major havoc playing on the Tempest? I think we should maybe have the, you oh. know, the calls earlier in the show. <laughs> yeah. Maybe like at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, that's the cold open is the phone calls. I'm gonna try this this one. I don't even know who this guy is, but I'm trying it. Oh, 
Okay. Uh-oh. Is another one? Yeah. Oh, you're trying to dial in, right? Well, you've added you've added seven people to the to the change. I should probably unadd a bunch of people. <laughs> oh my God! Three of ten in the call. <laughs> We're gonna have random people as long as nobody whips out their penis. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Uh, yeah no more no more Zoom happy hours. No more Zoom the happy hours. Hey, so uh, it, what are we gonna do if Owen doesn't show? Oh, we could read the questions out and then guess how he would have answered them, or no? yeah, well, maybe we could I, have. Zarzadek call in and be Owen. <laughs> I think he's having diarrhea, if, if I understood that. The French, diarrhea. That French-Mexican guy. France, Fern- Francois Fernandez. Yeah. French. Now, here's the thing. Russian accent. I, I got confirmation from Owen saying he was going to be on the show at such such a time. He gave me two Skype handles. I've tried them both numerous times. So hmm. it is time to do something else until we try him again. So... Are we in round two now of what? What's of, in the juke? Of what's in the juke? Hey. What's that? Hey, I've got more mugs. <laughs> Do we, you want to give another one away? We could give, yeah. Well, and I'm, you, like, what's it called where the, the hockey player has to shoot and then... I'm not giving these away. Sudden death. We could make it difficult, too. We could do like an 80s acoustic set. That might be difficult. That would be tough. I've got 10 tracks ready to go. Call Dolly on her phone while running, Casey. She's says. running. All right, let's do an '80s acoustic set for another Havoc mug. What do you think? Okay, well, let me figure out how to track these scores. And it'll be a point. Um, it'll be two points each. I don't know. Is that easier to add? One for the artist. One for the name. Bonus mug. And this isn't going to count as any of the other points. This is a whole new thing. Yeah, this is just a this is just a brand new. Let's uh, let's do Round. this. Ready? Okay, you got it. Oh wait a second. Oh, oh oh oh! I did get a message from Owen. Yes. And he says, "Okay, he's on. He's on now. So uh, let me try to get him back." Abort. <laughs> Abort. Oh, Owen wins the mug. Ah, okay. <laughs> Boy, now I got everyone excited about round two of what's in the juice. Ah. All right, let's try. It. He got Owen Rubin working. We'll see what happens. He's probably sweating bullets over there like, I should have figured this out before they tried to call me. Let's see what happens. Let's see if we're going to have a guest tonight or not. I oh, hear I we are. something. <laughs> we oh, my gosh. Hey, welcome. We got an Owen Rubin on the phone. Microsoft made me change all my passwords. Oh. <laughs> does, that, does that thing you're on have a camera? Uh, I don't know how to use it in Skype. Hang on a sec. It probably does. Give me one second. There's a little camera mm-hmm. button down there. Video. Let's see. If it's been so get... long since I've used Skype. Yeah, you know what? We're gonna switch. I think to Zoom because everybody, it's a browser based, and then you can just it send just a link. It works. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that it, it's way less complicated. Well, I have to go. To, I have to go to my system preferences and give it permission to use my camera. Oh boy, are you must be on a Mac? <laughs> I'm on a Mac. I am. Well, you know where I work, right? Yeah, so. I know. That's right. There's more to this Maybe. story though because. It, you have a collection of vintage Macs, as I'm told. Behind me, and those, some of them will show up as soon as I figure out how to get this thing permission. I don't know, but the, the chatters are getting really excited. They're just glad to hear your voice. <laughs> well, we got, I know. So do you know Aaron okay. Reed? I have to. It says I have to quit it and restart it. So right. uh, well, let me do that and call me right back. Sounds good. Yes. Okay. okay. Right back. All right. Well, it's good having him on the show. Um, All right. Yeah. <laughs> See you, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>
I actually he's still technically he's still there. Let's see what happens. Maybe he'll reconnect into the box. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. So yeah. Aaron Reed is working on a new Apple project. Oh yeah, like a like a floppy disk emulator or something or um I'm going back to find I don't want to mess it up because I'm not I'm not a classic Apple oh, I I'll, you know, I'll mess it up. I didn't program anything on my classic Apple II or Apple II. 2E or C. Apple II expansion card. All right, I got a new message from him. So let's uh, let's let's try this again. Ready? Actually, he's still there. Yeah. I'm not I'm not removing him. I'm just going to let him come back in. Right. I think it'll put him in the same spot too. Yeah. And I and that's good because I've already got it set up for him to be yeah. It, it, oh boy. What was that? Oh, you put something in the chat again? You want or want us to put something? In there? <laughs> Is that what that weird sound was when I just started? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> okay, wait. A minute, let me turn this thing off. Come on. The there. blurring. There we go. I probably Check could have put out. this version of it. Sorry, guys. There. We have Owen Rubin on the show, people. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Yeah. Finally, I'm so sorry it took me so long. Ah, it's nothing. We have so many other... You should have seen season three. It took us forever <laughs> to get the tech bugs worked out. It was awful. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry that I don't have my proper mic set up in here because I don't normally do that. This desk used to be look like something else, but now that I'm working from home, everything kind of got scattered to the winds. Well, you know, the, the nice the thing is nice. you sound perfect, so it's not like yes. a big deal at all. iMac Pro. It's got a decent mic in it, I guess. Yeah, they do. Actually, I think they have noise canceling and a bunch of other stuff built in, and they're just... They're pretty top notch. No, I put on cheap headphones anyway. I have a blue snowball like the one you're using there, so it's oh, yeah. normally right. normally actually the cable is sitting right here for it, but the mic is gone. <laughs> <laughs> I actually cool. like that. It's a good mic. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I want to make sure that you don't start jumping around here. Uh, no. And problems. I do appreciate the major havoc running in the background over there. Oh, there you go. <laughs> on the tempest. Yeah. Yeah, now if you heard, Brian, maybe you should explain that. I don't know, maybe Yeah, so this is actually um have you seen the FPGA project on KLOV? Uh what is that the one from Scott? Yeah. yeah. So this is the uh Tempest Major Havoc and uh Omega Race Board writing oh, there. Oh very cool. So you can, I think that one with a little bit of modification will run the new version. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Well, I have to send him the board back because it has, so you can see there's a little bit of bow, and he's corrected that in his latest version, so there's a slight upgrade charge, which is, but he, like, he went in and calibrated the spinner so that it functions properly, like the, the number of ticks it uses, and it plays really well. Well, so there's a story about that. May I? Okay. Yeah, yeah, please. Go ahead. I was at California Extreme. And this guy walks up and he says, come play my Major Havoc. So he goes over where all the Major Havocs are, and I'm playing the game. And he's watching me. He's not watching the game. And I finally go, I said, what, what are you doing? He goes, well, how does it play? And I said, well, mostly okay, but you changed a few things. And he's like, his eyes lit up. And he goes, what's changed? I said, well, how did you eliminate the this problem of spinning too fast? Because if you spin too fast, it gets the counter wraps and it thinks it goes the wrong way. And he goes, is it supposed to do that? I said, no, but it does. So he later told me that he's not making a copy. He's making a forgery. So he wants it to have everything that was wrong in in his version. So he was looking for errors to put back. Like his sparkly vectors are wrong. And he actually found a bug in the hardware 
So they should be like his are. They just aren't. <laughs> that is funny. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that is. So I, I know Scott very well now. We, we, we do a lot of stuff together. He just took my board back because it wouldn't work in my uh, original Major Havoc prototype box. So Wow. Well, it all just on itself, yeah. This is, I mean, people have kind of spoken up about the price of this, but I, I tell them if you've got a Tempest, <clears throat> you absolutely need to drop this in there. I mean, it's okay. just, it, it, it's without question an, an amazing modification to it. And it works great. Board games coming, right? I, I, I'm sure there are. I haven't kept in touch with them in a little bit. I got to actually reach back out to them, but it's, it's done well. It ain't so cheap. At some point, you will see the promised end. That's the name of the new release. Okay. Mm, awesome. Excellent. <laughs> Well, I suppose we should kick off this next segment of the show since we have a guest now. Sorry. <laughs> Let's do that. All right. Here we go. Big intro. And uh, I'll put a gun and maybe a little fanfare. And why not? Let's just do this all over again. Joining us tonight, one of the first five software game designers to work at Atari, who also went on to design both Macintosh hardware and software for Apple. He pioneered one of the first digital broadband systems in the United States. What can this man not do? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Mr. Owen Rubin. Thank you very much. Yes. Yeah, we're glad to have you Radio. on. I appreciate the invite. It's fun to be here. Yeah, uh, well, you know, we, we have a long list of uh, interview questions, and I like to, you know, why don't we make sure that we don't ask you the same questions that you get every single time, so... I don't care. What is... What, <laughs> all right, so... I love your, to answer them, so. Okay, that's good. What's your f- favorite movie candy? <laughs> movie candy? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, I'm trying to read that. Is that something in a movie that I like? No, you mean, what do I... Um, what candy do you consume when you go to a film when it's not COVID-19? Red vines or jelly bellies? Red vines. So you're a red vines man. Is that a California thing? Red vines are. It must be. Because that's all I ever hear in California. But like here it's Twizzlers. Well, uh, you know, it depends on the movie theater, but I think red vines has the has the the market the market in here because oh, yeah. uh, Twizzlers actually have a different flavor. I actually like them a little bit better, but you don't see them in the in the theater. And yeah, Twizzlers has like three flavors. They have black licorice Twizzlers. They have strawberry and cherry. And I love the, I love the cherry nibs. They're so good. I agree. But uh, anyway, that that was just a, a warm up question. So why don't you just tell like us that. a little bit about yourself and what you're doing for a living today? Um, well, I'll start with what I'm doing for a living. I'm back at Apple. Um, I thought I had retired. <laughs> I, and this is this is the honest God truth. I turned 65. I went on went on Medicare and got hired on at Apple all in the same month. Jesus. <laughs> oh, I mean, it was like I, I fought to get my, my Medicare all set up and working. I said, great. And then I get this phone call. Hey, we, 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 we're going to hire you now, so come on in. And I started. So then I had to call you know, Social Security back and say, I really don't want to start that now. Oh, don't, don't charge me money. That is <laughs> so funny. It was, I'm working for someone who I worked with last time I was at Apple. And he said, hey, there's got a job here that's got your name all over it, and I can't tell you what it is. Oh, cool. So yeah. I had to trust him that I would like what I'm doing. I'm having fun. Yeah, I, I've had interactions with Apple in one way or another, but uh, with with some of the work I do, we talk offline sometime. But sure. um, anyway, great company. Uh, obviously, been around a million years, and I talked about this on the show not too long ago. We have, uh, as our generations, have seen everything that has had to do with computers, 
uh, everything that is super exciting for home computers and arcades and video games, I think. Um, it's just a, a, a great time to be alive, believe it or not, with all the stuff that's going on. To uh, to get to see all this technology and and uh, and you've been around longer than any of us uh, on this podcast to be a part of that. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about your life at Atari way back when. Um, you're a MIT grad. No, I'm actually a UC Berkeley grad, but I did some grad work at MIT after I got hired at, at uh, Atari. Cool. So no degree. No degree. I just went back there but, to work at the media the media group um, on video disc. Oh yeah, and you have been heavily involved with video your like your whole career. It it winds through just about everything. Yeah, that's crazy. So how did you get hired at Atari? Okay, so I was uh, in my senior year at UC Berkeley. They had a you know a center where you could go apply you know talk about jobs. They had people come in and interview. So Atari, had, I heard Atari was coming in, and I just sort of warmed my way into an, an appointment, and they turned me down. And so I called them, and I said, how come? And uh, this guy said, well, you're not as strong as hardware engineer as we wanted. I said, well, that's because I wanted to be a software engineer. <laughs> they said, oh, okay, well, come on down. We'll interview you again. And they did, and they hired me. So that's the guy I was interviewing thought I wanted to be a hardware engineer there. I had a mixed degree, but I liked the software side. <clears throat> Very cool. Yeah, UC so Berkeley, I, man. Right out of right out of college. That's crazy. And so uh, you have a bunch of games you worked on there. Uh, many, many that didn't go anywhere. Oh yeah. I just I just talked to someone about that. This list of why didn't this ship? He gave me a whole list of questions. They were all why didn't this ship? Why didn't this ship? And I, I said, there's one answer for all of them. They didn't earn enough money in the arcade. <laughs> we test them. Yeah. You know, Atari had this. It had to be number one. I think for two weeks out of the five to ten weeks they left it out there. So if it didn't, it was gone. You you had made a comment uh, about, I watched actually there's a podcast that you'd done with someone where you said they would, don't ask the engineers which games. No, he turned, down, he turned down Pac-Man. But what, um, I, I would ask you, like, what was, was there a game that all the engineers were like, this is it, this is, this is the golden child, this is going to go, you put it out, and it just complete nothing? Well, there was one game we thought would be really cool, and then we, after we built it, we couldn't get it out of the building. Uh, it was a very early version of Star Wars, and they built a moving seat in a big half dome where they projected images on it, and uh, you moved around, and they said, oh, we'll put it outside, and it didn't fit out the door. Uh, oh no! No one ever measured. I mean, it's very funny. No one ever measured where it had to go, uh, and to take it apart and move it and put it back together was too big of a project. I'm trying to think. Was there anything that people really loved that failed? Because uh, turning down Pac-Man is huge. There must have been one that you guys were all going, "This is it. This is the one." And then actually, it, pro- it might have been Space Invaders. We turned down. I'm not sure which. One of those early ones. They used to show them to engineers, and just like, ah, it's awful. And I think maybe even both of those got rejected by engineering, not being very much fun, because um, they were trying to license them at the time. It's funny because I actually am not a fan of Space Invaders, even though I respect it for being, you know, one of the earliest rasters that was a money monger. But you like Tempest. But I, I have a tangent question because it's kind of related to this. So uh, one of my favorite games to play when I go to this this arcade called Grinkers in, in the middle of. Have you been there? I know it. I've never been there. Um, anyway, it, it, Steve, Steve was just on tonight. Uh, we were talking to him a little bit. Uh, there's a game called Tunnel Hunt that you did. 
And we were just talking about Star Wars. So can you That's going to haunt me for the rest of my life, that game. <laughs> the funny thing is, it was licensed to Century by Atari. Is that because it was like a back burner game? Can you tell us a little bit? So um, on Hardware Engineer Game, Dave Sherman, very clever guy. He did the iRobot hardware as well. Really loved to do these outlandish hardware. And he made hardware without a game in mind. And it could draw these cool circles and ellipses and you could stack them on each other. So I said, oh, I got this great idea. Let's do a game where you fly through tunnels. <laughs> so we did this game and we put it out on field test and it earned a solid number two for 10 weeks straight. Wow. Never hit number one. So they brought it back and they said, well, let's make some changes and let's cost reduce the hardware. So the they took out the ability to have the circles split. So now it's just one tunnel. We put it out again, number two for eight weeks straight. They brought it back again. They took, took the hardware even cheaper now to squares, put it out again. Still number two the whole way. Oh. So they said, well, we're not going to build it. Okay. That took like a year and a half of, you know, it kept coming back. Yeah. <laughs> so they licensed it, for, tried to license it first to Exidy. Okay. Who called it Vertigo. <laughs> and then they decided after testing it, they didn't want it, returned it, and then did their own version of Vertigo, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, and sometime later, I get the marketing guy comes into my office. This has got to be a year, two, two years, two and a half years down the pipe and says, can you make one more change? We need to take the name Atari off and put Centuri in here because we're going to license it to this company in Florida. And uh, I said, well, I can put their name on. I can't take the Atari name off because it's part of the copy protection. It actually executes the name on the screen. So if you rip it off, the game goes kablooey. Mm -hmm. uh, Tempest, you know the bug in Tempest where it kind of goes, it flips out? Similar copy protection. Uh, Dave Toyer moved the word Atari over just a little bit before it shipped and forgot all about that it actually checked for that. Oh. Uh, so it, by the time it actually went out, it was originally called Tube Chase. Um, oh, wait, I have to find it. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll find you something. Um, originally called Tube Chase, then it went, it was Vertigo, then it came back and it became Tunnel Hunt. Uh, and it's the game that wouldn't die. <laughs> so much so that when I left Atari and I was starting the next Monday at Bally working for Ed Rotberg, he, when I come in, he goes, let me show you to where your lab is. And he goes in there and there's a Tunnel Hunt sitting there and he goes, we just need one more change. Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> He actually bought one to have that um, to have that joke. I, I have to give him credit for it. It was very funny. That is funny. He said the look on my face when I walked in and saw it sitting there it was like, "Oh my god, no!" <laughs> was there any ever any fear of the Star Wars franchise coming after you for that? You know, it's funny. It, it went out without being finished. That was sort of the we just did, I did those graphics on graph paper by hand, and we thought, "Oh, we'll put real graphics in later," and it just stayed. Uh, it's really obvious what they are you know it's yeah. like <laughs> this is a tie fighter is coming at you and actually it kind of looks like the little targeting computer on uh on uh star blade Wars. runner and the landing sequence of alien i think well the landing sequence of alien is how it started so right. the original game was done on the asteroids hardware trying to follow that tunnel down, yes. but you didn't have hidden line removal. So it looked like a mass of squares. You couldn't figure out what it was. So that's when David said, we'll try it on this hardware. So it it was it was started by after I saw Alien, actually. I love that landing sequence in Way Alien. Very cool. Yeah. It, the ideas all come from weird places. I mean, Major Havoc is heavily influenced by Battle, the original Battlestar. Awesome. Oh, wow. If you look at the way it draws things on the screen, it was just the same way they did it. And there just happens to be those little typhoons, what they call them, um, 
the, the Cylon ships, those little triangles, that's really where that came from. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because you, you, you always got to see them aiming, and I'm like, aren't these robots? Why aren't they just interface directly with their... I mean, why, why do they have exactly. to look at a monitor? <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, it's like the, the new one, they just built the robot head into the ship. I mean, it, yeah. it's not what you would expect to happen. It's like, oh. Wow, moving a handle and firing, yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, lost him. Oh, well, <laughs> we probably a bathroom break. Uh, so, Major Havoc really was uh, an unbelievable. I mean, like, it just got this diverse set of uh games going on i mean you're playing yeah. breakout you're playing like a first person shooter you're running through. i mean what the concepts there i mean was this so just have... like sorry go ahead no i was going to finish i'm sorry i was going to say is this just i mean you, you had this whole thing originally or did you kind of like go through and were you telling a story how did you actually come to that sequence of things? So it, it started with, like, I have a very obnoxious sense of humor. So uh, I had this idea I wanted to, like, grab all these gameplays and shove them together somehow. So there are a lot of different gameplays in there, and it's pretty obvious where most of them come from. Uh, this The one way, if you don't see in the current version, there was a small Star Castle version. The fourth wave where the ship... It looks like a, a. If you notice on the on the scanner when it comes, it's got a it's got a shield around it. Watch it on the fourth wave on the left side. It has okay. a shield around it, and originally that had a single shield that rotated and it shot at you just like Star Castle, and you had to knock out all the guns on the ship. Um, the wave with the silent looking things is uh, sort of a Galaga ripoff. Uh, they actually move very similar to that. If you hit the center one on the three, the other two will dive bomb you. Uh, it took a lot from that. Um, the game started, though, called Tholian Web, which is, and if you look at the board, it's on some of the boards. I had a Tholian Web board, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, one of the, um, I actually was at an auction in Hawaii and picked up two major Havocs and like three boards. I love it. In an auction. It was, this was 10 years ago. <laughs> Do you know the reference? Tholian no. Star Trek. Star Trek. Yeah, it was a Star Trek episode where they get trapped in these things that are building a big web around them. So the origin that the maze wave where you fly through was the original game. That's where it started. And then uh, the Tholians, said, not the Tholians. Tholian is the way I always said it. I yeah, it is, yeah, yeah, it yeah. is the Tholians. Tholians. And then um, trying to figure out what am I going to do to knock off Pac-Man? <laughs> I want a Pac-Man play. So I had this idea of moving a character through a maze to try to blow up the ship. That that sort of was at its second. And um, Lyle Rains, who was uh, one of the, the high-end management people there, was also an artist. So he drew up, he's the one who actually drew up the character. Um, and then I would go back to him and, with this animation routine I wrote and say, well, I need, a, I need two frames to get me from this to this. And we did this very cool animation routine, so it's very smooth in transitions. And, um, the thing of him leaning against the wall and crossing his arms like that um, was because Lyle saw me, stand, saw me standing there tapping my foot, watching him while he was drawing. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's, the, the stuff that happens in there, like just hitting his head on the wall, falling, I mean, all the stuff, the animations are just, they really do make it a very interesting game. What was the, and this has probably been asked before, oh, sorry if I asked again, but what was the idea for a roller versus a... Spinner. So you're in you're in space. There's not really gravity. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you, the idea of, I wanted up and down to be slowly falling, and 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 you could only jump once. If you stop jumping, you'd fall back. 
So light gravity on a spaceship. So I, all your motion was controlled left and right. So we wanted up and down to be jump and fall and just the left-right motion. And they gave me a rollerball originally, and it didn't feel right, you know, because you end up spinning it at the wrong angle. And it doesn't go real, you know, if you're spinning at 45 degrees really fast, he's not moving very fast either way, to the left or right. So uh, I went to the develop the guys who develop our designs. I said, can I get a trackball that only goes in one direction? And they went, sure. And they built it. Terry Lycheck, <laughs> this guy in, in the mechanical engineering group is just brilliant. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a really neat controller. It's, it's, and it's kind of fun because you, you play it on the different machines and it does play differently. And I know uh, we've had other developers in the past who've really, talked about how the integration of the controls in the game, you know, you can create a game with software, but how the controls actually run it is a integral part of how games are designed. Well, especially at Atari, we had an amazing mechanical engineering group. Uh, I mean, you think about the controller for Star Wars, which is actually, uh, was actually on an earlier game that I can talk about, but uh, that makes the game, this having that control in your hand. Uh, I think it was actually used on the Army Battle Zone at one point. Um, so, yeah, the, the Tunnel Hunt, they made that Viper controller for me. I brought in a picture from Battlestar Galactica and said, here's the controller. Oh, cool. And it, it didn't want to copy it exactly, but that was how that thing came about. You know, a handle where you, with a trigger to fire. And, Ed was yeah, on the they show. Were, they were amazing. Uh, Ed Rotberg was on the show talking about Battlezone. Uh, what, what was your contribution to Battlezone? The Volcano. Oh. <laughs> and, pissing, and pissing off Ed every day. <laughs> what? We shared we, we shared an office and we shared a lab, and uh, we like if I'm if I was sitting at my computer here, he would be back there with his back to me facing that wall, and he usually was in before I was, so I would walk in and I'd put my face up into his screen and go, "Is that volcano erupting yet?" And I caught him on one incredibly bad day, and he's like. Uh, God damn, you want that green volcano to erupt right at yourself. So I went back in my office and I wrote the code and I left it on his chair and he put it in the next morning. I said, in a circle too, I said, the position goes here. And this little thing with the rocks, it was maybe 12 lines of code to do it. Nice. <laughs> I just pissed him off so much. He figured if he put it in, he'd shut me up. <laughs> he, was he was my best man at my wedding. Oh, We're very Cool. Hey, uh, I have a I have a question from the chat. Yo, Eddie asks: Was Battlezone ever considered to be a cockpit game? Cockpit game. I don't recall it ever being considered. It it could have been. It would have been a great game in a cockpit. I think. I, mean, uh, I do not I recall think, ever looking at that. Like, how often does that come up? Like, how many different uh, form factors do we put this game in? Like, how do you figure that out? Uh, it's a very good question. So back to industrial design again. These guys. Like the cabinet for Major Havoc was originally Major Havoc's game. And then when iRobot got done first, they moved it over. So they look at what they've built and what they have and what they can fit in. And they'll make some modifications. I mean, look at the Tunnel Hunt game, one of the first games to have a vacuform part in the front, right? Um, they did a lot. They tried to do a lot of stuff for us that made it feel right. You know, that, that whole front on the battle zone was to give you the feeling of putting your face into it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, ne- I don't remember them ever doing a cockpit discussion on that. Right. Uh, did Ed talk about what it was before it was battle zone? Was it the army trainer? No, that was after. Oh, no. He you didn't. Did, he hooked two games to... Oh, lights out. <laughs> Computer doesn't <laughs> come in here. <laughs> I know. Uh, the lights just went off. It's like the sensor is not seeing me over here. Okay. Um, 
he built this, he built Space War. I'm talking about, you know, remember the cinematronic two ships? Yep. Okay, so he built that in three space. Okay, with the, the controller very much sort of like the Star Wars controller where you could fly and turn and shoot. And we thought that would be the coolest thing in the world and people would play it and get dizzy because you only have a finite, you're in a cube. So if you go off this side of the cube, you come back on the other side, right? So you'd be chasing somebody and they disappear from in front of you and then all of a sudden they reappear because they've wrapped around and you haven't. Uh, or you'd be sitting there and a shot would come diagonally across and you would turn your ship and it would be at a weird angle. You know, movies don't do it justice. Two ships never come on the same plane, right? That's just crazy. So they'd be at some weird angles, you know, off yeah. like that. And that just confused people to no end. They just couldn't play it. So he turned it into a game on the moon. Uh, it's the moon, actually. I think there's a Cylon behind you. Um, there is the circuit that I used to do that in my Corvette. That's just what LEDs on it. Right. Fun. <laughs> it's a little board, just, and it has it has spices to connect drivers, and it had one in the front of my vet because the kids in my neighborhood thought it was kit, so I stuck the light out in front. What year vet? I had an '84. I had the original new style. So, oh. okay. and where the license plate should have gone, we put I put that little light in there. That's pretty cool. <laughs> so you, uh, when you finish up. So you talked. To, you mentioned briefly. You stopped at Atari on a Friday. You started at Senti. Senti, yeah. On yeah, the next, Sente on a Monday. What was that transition like? It was real easy. I mean, they weren't they weren't more than a half a mile apart anyway. <laughs> um, what really happened is there was. I, I won't go into the whole long story. There was a lot of disagreement and problems that were I thought in Atari I didn't really want to be there anymore and I quit and they said well you can't quit you have to finish this game so I agreed to finish the game and then they decided to have layoffs and I just put my hand up and I called Ed when I put I did that and I walked back to my office and said okay I'm leaving Atari and go start Monday so I mean Howie Delman Ed Robert Roger Hector uh, Robert Fomati the artist there were, I mean there's a lot of people over there that I already knew so it was just like sort of getting back to the group that I had known originally in the first place it was a really easy transition. And then when you got there, the the first game they had you working on was, was it Strike Avenger? Goalie Ghost. Goalie Ghost, okay. So Ed uh, was working on it, but he was also sort of the, in charge of the company, you know, one of the people in charge, so he really didn't have a lot of time, so he just hands it off to me. Goalie Ghost was first-person Pong. Yep. Yeah, that's the best way to describe it. It's been actually, um, what, I have one here, I'll show it to you. The chatters know about this, but... The boards, those fourteen round boards, have become hard to find. So we yes. actually nice. made them. Beautiful. So this this is Chicken Shift, and then actually somebody That's posted. One a, I love that game, by the way. Chicken Shift. A rear panel the other day. So there's a mock-up of Off the Wall. Off the Wall, right? So, but uh, I decided I couldn't find any of the fourteen round boards, so I made my own. Great. <laughs> so I love that about arcades now that they, you know, they'll last a lot longer because people are making things to fix them and replace them and repair them. Well, it's it's astounding that they've lasted as long as they have. I the mean, e bombs amaze me that they still hold their values. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, they don't always, but but in general, if they've been out of sunlight and they haven't been in a a whole lot of heat fluctuation, uh, they do okay. <laughs> I know. I think I think people had a lot of ideas that oh they won't last this long. Like VHS tapes, they said oh they're not going to last more than twenty years. They'll lose their data. But I have VHS tapes that I've left in the attic, 
in the Texas heat, they are fine. And floppies and 3.5 inch discs. All my Apple IIe stuff's fine. It doesn't even yeah. has no. It did not even flinch. So I think it was a lot hardier back then. Well, I also well, think they, they over engineered a lot of the tech too. If you look at like the the power supplies, for example. Oh yeah, they're crazy. You could power like I don't know twelve games off those now. A tank. <laughs> You know, so I so know. you can get print through on, on VHS tapes and beta tapes. I still have my beta deck because yes. I have a bunch of tapes I haven't transferred yet. Uh, and what will happen is if they that when they stay wound up tight, okay, you get, you get image print through. So the the video from here starts to lay on the video in front. No of No way. So you'll get some weird ghosting. And sometimes you have you seen it? It doesn't lock up. It kind of it kind of tears for a second. That's because it, it it's print it's printed through. But it's the you see that on digital. Uh, Computer tapes, the old computer tapes as well. So the mag, the magnetic surface just transfers to the other side. Right. Yeah, because they're pushed together pretty hard, yeah. right? And so if you wind them, but uh, they will also, if you watch them a lot of times, they will wear out because the tape just wears away. But uh, I have tapes that are, that are from the seventies that still play in my from my original beta. Yeah. Mm. Now, which beta yeah. do you have? Which model? The the the. 20th anniversary, the one with the all the glass touch panel. It doesn't have any buttons. Oh, cool! Oh, I can't remember what the number was, but it's um, it's got a panel that folds down, and it's an edge lit piece of glass with all the buttons edge lit, and it's touch sensitive. That's cool. It I is really cool. It I plays all 2405 so. copper color. It's a mono, but I still have it. I had the original when I started. The one that had the TV built in. Oh no! I didn't know. Oh about my god! It was a Beta One deck in a 19-inch color Trinitron in a in a cabinet about oh maybe as wide as this desk, so about six feet wide. Man! And it was built into the top, so you lifted up a cover, and the deck was built into it. It had a one of two of those flip clock type clocks on it. Wow. One was for the time, and one was for the timer. And it was a t- was it a top loader then? Uh, you pushed it in. You put it in and pushed it down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. That is crazy. And the timer, it only recorded an hour, so the timer would just turn it on. And then about an, yep. an hour and a half later, it would turn itself back it, off. Would you have to hit the, the play and the record buttons down yes. before? Yes. Yes, you left and pushed them down, and it would power up and just start recording. Right. But it worked. I mean, it was actually, at the time, that's 1976, I think I bought that. Man. It's like Rockford Files. The the answering machine was brand new back then, and it was tapes for VHS tapes and beta tapes. VHS hadn't what about been invented yet. Umatic. Did you ever have to deal with umatic tapes at all? I, I for a while I had a umatic player in in the garage because when we did the um, hang on a sec, I just went the wrong place. When we did the day at Atari, we did that whole thing edited on umatic. Wow, which wow. was that about that big, and it was. Just a larger format of beta, sort of. Right. That's crazy. That was the that was the production. That's what TV studios used. Umatic. So we just had two decks, and we did you know take a tape out, put it in, pause, start, pause, start. That that's why it's not really high video quality. But I would I was a like an outlier in my elementary school had Umatic tapes, and that's yeah. how I, that's how I was like into editing back when I was a kid. And, and they worked. Yeah, they're just gigantic. <laughs> They are gigantic. Gigantic. Did you work on Space Duel also? Yes. And here I'm trying to find the. I was trying to find this commercial Betamax, 1975. Oh. Uh, is that the LV 1901? Yep, that's it. 
Where do I paste the uh, link? You can put it in Skype, and then I'll uh, drop it into the chat. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll let you do that. Where do I do that? Uh, there's a little bubble. Bottom right. Oh, oh chat. There is. I see. Okay. Um, except I gotta find. Yeah, I see you. <laughs> Who's waving? Is oh, it, that was the... me. I'm just. We were. Oh, um, I see. I'm entertaining the audience while you uh, paste that into the chat. Oh, he's he's pasting <laughs> it into the chat right now. Here we go. Right. But, and that, that link will take you to a page that you can see how big that machine was. It was so cool at the time. Uh, the, the beta tech was, I guess there's only one clock and a timer next to it. The um, Betamax is underneath that plastic cover on the top right. I'm going to have to go to the link. All right. Nice. So now I got it. Yeah, There's I just typically cool Sony stuff. <laughs> I always yeah. love Sony products. So. That thing is awesome. So you still have that. No, I do not. Oh. I think it's that that ended up taking a tumble down the stairs. It was heavy as all hell. It took four people to get it into my apartment. Wow. And the movers were trying to move it out. And I kept saying, well, we need to take the beta deck out and, and take some of the weight out. Oh, no, we got it. And they were about halfway down the stairs, and the guy in front lost the grip. And it just bounced down the stairs. Oh, so no. Oh, man. They, they bought it from me, and I went moved on to a new TV and a new beta deck. <laughs> oh, my God. No one was going to steal this thing. If they tried to steal it, they'd be dead underneath it at the bottom of the stairs, like that guy almost was. But it was really a cool gadget. It, you know, in those days, being able to record TV was just pretty slick. What you don't know is the tapes cost eighteen dollars an hour. Oh my god! Oh yeah. A single oh five hundred was eighteen bucks. I, I think VHS tapes. I, I, when I was a kid, VHS tapes were twenty five dollars each. For the big ones, though, that was the, the long, big, the long yeah, time one, right? The, yeah, the the I guess two hour tapes. This one, two the L five hundreds were eighteen ninety five, but if you bought a box of ten, you can get them for fifteen bucks. So one hundred fifty bucks for ten hours. Right. The two hour tapes were really six hour tapes, though. Eventually, yeah. If your VHS, if your player could do it, yeah. That, well, that's big. That was the big fight. You know, Beta had better quality but less time. And you know, if you want to record a football game, you don't give a damn about the quality. You want to get the whole football game, mm-hmm. right? So, you, you get the quality was not quite as good on VHS as it was on Beta at the beginning. But they pretty much held head to head after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I just cool. found an L eight thirty, a six hour tape for a or six and a half hour tape for Betamax, which I, I thought was really surprising. I didn't know I had one of those. They must be so thin. <laughs> they are. You know? And then they... I you know, every time I put it in, it's going to snag. So was that called like beta 1, 2, or 3 for that speed? So this was beta 1. Okay. The, the Which was the regular speed. Then beta 2 came out, which was half the speed, twice the length. Then beta 3, three times. And then there was a beta 1S that came out later, which was this very high uh, frequency version of beta that, that was better than most home vcrs but you can only do it with one hour tapes and now and you had expensive tapes to do it every arcade owner in the chat is looking for a beta machine right now i am too i'm like <laughs> oh yeah i need this so i have, well, they, I, have I have two uh <laughs> yeah i have one and it's need i actually have two there's one in my closet right here it's a, a newer model it's like an 820 or something fully decked out I, front loader i I need to fix it though. There's a little <laughs> little gear in the bottom that uh, snapped when I when I played my first tape on it um, in a long time. So anyway. this is the one. If you want to find it, look for this one. Okay. That was that was probably one of the best ones 
There is the SLHF 1000. That was an editing deck. It had a lot of automatic editing features. It was, that thing was amazing. Sweet. I, that, that was, I mean, it has this little thing that slides out for controls. And if you have two of them or up to three of them, you can do AB roll. There's a controller that comes with it. So you can have it do automatic assemble editing for you. Oh, it's got that, that jog was a dial. Deck. That, yeah, that was a consumer deck. Yeah, that's pretty It sweet. has a jog shuttle dial. Yeah, this one was, a, I had one of these, mine finally broke. I think my neighbor has this. My buddy Matt collects this stuff. And yeah, I think he has this deck. Great deck. Yeah. And it's recording quality. Even today, for standard definition, it's really good. That's got to be like 1986 or 7, maybe? I don't know. Does it say? It yeah, says 1986, crazy. yep. Well, there's one on eBay. <laughs> and it's so yeah. that's that's where the link took me that's very funny it took me there <laughs> so and it, they retailed for seventeen hundred dollars yeah it was it wasn't cheap yeah uh, uh, there's an slhf 900 which is the other one i have here which was the the, the less version of the 1000 and then this 100d if you look up on beta on ebay this the whole the whole tray mechanism slid out of the unit to lay the tape in so you could easily untangle it if something went wrong wow it's a brilliant idea because you know how many times when tapes would get snagged you pretty much had to ruin them yeah this one the, the whole the whole carriage pulled out the front interesting now i see that there there's yeah. a picture of one on ebay that come yeah you're probably looking at the same place i am yeah <laughs> it's pretty cool hf 1000d that was 1986 wow isn't that crazy 628 dollars it's only it's half price that's a good and deal. If, you go, if you go down a little further, you'll see the SLHF 2000. That's the one I have now. Oh. That was the, they're like, that was like their, we're, this is the last one we're ever doing, Betamacs. That's crazy. Yeah, I love that. Um, I'm, I don't know. I kind of, there's an aesthetic with tapes. I just, I love it. I, every once in a while. Of course, I have Super 8, so whatever. Um, Can you play them? Yeah, I actually, uh, I have a Canon um, with magnetic sound. It's a PS1000. Cool. <laughs> and it's got this crazy belt in it that's like 30 inches long and winds around three pulleys. Yeah, I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah the pain in the ass to service, but I figured out how to do it and um, fixed it. And it is so fun to watch these old films. And I have like <laughs> Rogers and Disney and, and and actually, Brian in Brian's house, the house that he just bought, like I don't know, a year ago, <laughs> two years. What what's in there? So I, I don't know if you know. <laughs> there are a few questions. Jason's getting like jumping up and down in the chat. Yeah. Um, but the uh, um, the guy that started Rapala in the U.S., um, which is an outdoor company, used to have a fishing show, and so he next to the bar. He, the whole downstairs is all done in reclaimed barn wood back in the 70s. Wonderful. And he's got this like high output fans. You can smoke at the bar, turn it on. And he has <laughs> these, these doors that are about this big that go to this back room where so there's about a, about literally 12, 14 an inches. indoor gun range. Yeah. And <laughs> this tube is about a foot and a half long and it's made for a projector. And so then, he could set up and open these little barn doors that are about this big. <laughs> and show movies of his fishing trips and his TV shows and everything that's, else. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, and it's 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 the funniest place because it was awesome for an arcade, 
but we got it super cheap because everybody walked in there like we don't want gold sparkle wallpaper and it's, you know like it's like you know that's exactly what you want to put it on. And my wife and I are like, this is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Do it. Yeah. How many games do you have there? Uh fifty. I'm impressed. So, so it's the gun range has all gun themed games. We don't use the gun range anymore. I was going to ask you that. Is there's actually a game, an old uh, electromechanical game that I tried very hard to find and I couldn't find it. And I remember it because my dad used to take us to the train station where they had these coin-operated electromechanical games before video games. Pinballs, which you had to be over 18 to play in oh, California. Yeah. Oh, no. And, it, it, was, and it wasn't so, a dogfight, was it? <laughs> no. It was um, – the you, you looked like you were looking at a like a 4 by 4 grid with these red rubber balls in them. And you, if you shot the ball with the gun, it would pop it. Looks like it would come out the, out the screen at you. Of course, it was down below, right? Yeah. Yep. The mirror. And it would pop up and it would bounce. And the idea was to get four in a row or four corners. Or and uh, see that. and it was like 1957. I found the the date of it. That I'll have to find the reference to that. That's I really awesome. wanted one of those because I played that thing for hours. That was just like a, a, such a fun game. We we do have a local electromechanical guy who may. I mean, he has like just barns of the stuff it's questionable but (laughs) i got two people in the chat wanting to get back to major havoc for a second absolutely so i'm sorry the question the question is why did major havoc not support support speech even though the pcb could support the hardware uh it was actually the speech part was added to that board to test speech it was never expected that it would be ready for that uh and it didn't work properly you'll notice if you compare it to to the one on star wars it's different okay so it wasn't working and we just ran out of time for it it has a third processor that it was never put on it either and that one has two 6502s on it yeah okay it, it was designed originally to take three because the the math box that they used on Battlezone was very expensive. And so the, I had this nickname at Atari. It was Owen No Math Ruben. <laughs> it's like if I could – so I didn't want the math box. I was going to make 3D look like 3D without ever doing math. Uh, and it's a hardware trick. Yeah. That's, that's, done, cool. that's done in the hardware. That's awesome. Huh. Yeah, so um, – and then – as long as we're on this, Havoc has been become sort of a, a cult favorite of arcade collectors. Yep. And uh, I don't know, for me, I didn't actually get to play it in the arcades. I played it on the PlayStation 2 when it was released as a as a part of a collection. That's right. I remember that. The Microsoft game arcade or something. Yeah, I was like, I don't remember where it was, but it was a bunch of Atari games, you know. And then there was I never little... saw it on the PS2. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, and it's was it a name like uh, version of it? Yeah, and it's but it's decent with that controller. Okay, um, you know because you can do things on the controller that you can't can't do with the spinner and the the roller. But um, it's not the same. But it's but it was my first exposure to the game. So my 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 question is 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 Havoc up there for you as far as as far as like the games are that you're most proud of or what game are oh, you yeah. most proud of? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Havoc, and I like Space Duel. Space Duel was started by another guy. One of the guys from the consumer group said he wanted to make an arcade game. So we we did a swap with somebody. One of our guys went to the to the consumer group to do VCS stuff, and he came down. And he started he started a two like a he started a um, an asteroids game that was going to be in color. So it was going to be color asteroids. Cool. And uh, and he. 
got about a quarter of the way into it and real did not like the pressure of the coin op group at all and walked out on it. Oh no. Oh wow. Oh, wow. So I was looking for a project to do and they said, well, make it that. And as they gave it to me, they said, oh, and by the way, Asteroids Deluxe is coming out, so it can't be Asteroids. Oh, funny. <laughs> so uh, he had done a little bit of the pre-code of tying the ships together, but he hadn't finished all the math. And it's not done with math. It's done with tables because uh, <laughs> it's faster. <laughs> it's a lot, of, a lot of sad tricks in that game to make that stuff work. Uh, now the, but, uh, the funny thing about I that, really game like that game is super addictive. Like, I, I think uh, it's one of those games where people... It's two-player, right? So you, yes. it's more fun when you have two people playing that game. And not even if you can play it by yourself, actually. You can't. You can play one player and it plays like Asteroids, but you can either play it as a single ship like Asteroids or you can control both ships simultaneously. But the tethering is really fun. It is. And you can do that in a one-player game. It's fun unless the other person's bad and then there's a lot of yelling. (laughs) Which is kind of fun, too, right? And it it takes the quarter. We tried like crazy to make a, a game where you play together. Right. Yeah. So that's why there are individual scores and a combined score on that, because you're supposed to be playing together. But if you get, you know, like you want to try to beat the other guy, there's individual scores as well. So we supported both ways of playing that. So so on the flip side of that, what game are you most not proud of? That was shipped? Yes. Orbit. Uh, Orbit. Orbit. Okay, I didn't hear that. Oh, so um, Cinematronics had come out with Space War. Yeah, and, and they just couldn't build enough of them. And so the VP of marketing came into me and said, I want you to knock this off in raster, which was a bad idea just to start with. Uh, and you, you have a month to do it. Oh, oh, that's like- so. And then Beagle said, well, it can't be a complete knockoff. It's got to be different. <laughs> so um, I only had a month. So there are a lot of mistakes on that. Like, for example, the shots are one pixel. So they're impossible to see. <laughs> like I go to the angle, that should have been four pixels, and you're oscillating them, so it looked like it sparkled. What that was easy to understand. No, I had a month. I had a month to write it. So uh, it, me and a hard hardware engineer and I and one tech worked nonstop, thirty days straight, to build that game and put it out. It, it's the game that has like way too many buttons. Hang hang on a second. I got. I'll find something. Uh, okay. There's like ten buttons on there. Thinking about games that have too many buttons. Oh, like Exterminator? Defender. Oh, Stargate. <laughs> Come on. Just a minute. Space War. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Sundance. I think, you know, the uh, the other game... Oh, yeah. oh, look. Holy moly. Oh, my God. One, two, yeah. three, four, five, six, yeah. seven. Is that eight buttons? One, two, three. Jeebers. Let me, Let me actually tell the computer that I'm here and turn the lights back on. <laughs> Computer. my hand in front of the magic sensor. Computer, order 17 pounds of cream corn. <laughs> I like answered a computer. <laughs> but now so, with headphones. This game had, um, I mean, you can count them on here. There's one, two, three, four, yeah. five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Then two more buttons for uh, start game, reset game. So 12 on this for that, then each player had left, right, thrust, fire, shield. Wow. Oh, <laughs> so how many buttons on this thing? A 22 or something? Yeah. Hold that thing up and, again. We get if I get a little closer to here, you can see, like, it's, you know, there was three games. Beginner. Do you remember Space War had all those modes? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So these are pretty much the same modes. Uh, That's crazy. 
But what we, what I did different is that you could, if you played Space War and you accidentally hit negative gravity, you were stuck with negative gravity for all the money you sucked in there. You know, you couldn't reset it. And I said, that's stupid. So there was a reset game button. You could turn any feature on and off. So these buttons all lit up. Oh, fun. When it went out in its, when it originally went out, it went out with a, um, it was a very tall cabinet, much like uh, Tube Chase. And it had an electronic touch panel. So like a, like a keyboard, and you could touch things on the keyboard to get options. And had all these little LEDs that told you what was on and what wasn't on. So these things say, you know, uh, bounce back, which means you hit the wall, you don't wrap. Negative gravity, the sun repels. Uh, zero gravity means it did nothing. Um, black hole was a very strong gravity sun. Uh, space stations on and off. So I added space stations that orbited the sun, that's the name. Uh, and if you were damaged and you touched your space station, not the other guys, it would repair you and you got full fuel, full ships, and you could go out and fight again. Uh, if you touched the other guy's space station, you blew up. Uh, there was an unlimited supplies mode, so you never ran out of bullets or fuel. Uh, stars on and off because some people didn't like them, and strong gravity. And well, then the games were if beginner you had stars on and your shots were one pixel, it's probably hard to see them. Well, especially when they went fast. So you, so you could accelerate really fast. Yeah. And I just put a top limit on it. So if you just kept accelerating and wrapped around, it would go faster and faster. <laughs> and if you shot, the shot would come around and hit you. <laughs> shoot, you could shoot yourself with it. Well, that's <laughs> awesome. That I like it. FYI for the chatters, um, that was 1978. At the beginning of it, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, crazy. Crazy. And then... It is. Uh, I've never played that game. I've never it's, seen. It's on Mame. It's okay. actually showed up on Mame, which I was really pleased to see it show up. Uh, it's kind of fun, you know. That the problem is, you know, in XY, you know, in a rat, in vector, those little ships that you spin look really good. In raster, they kind of bend and morph and do sure. all sorts of weird, ugly things, yeah. you know. But it was the same thing: a a, a, a triangle and a, a Klingon-like ship. And so. were you always a fan of the vector? Then was that your favorite? Yes, yeah. I wanted to do that in vector, but it wasn't. They didn't make Atari wasn't making enough of them because asteroids was just eating all the the units up and they didn't want to pull them out of there. Mm. And so we built that really cheap, really fast. And he tried to sell them in Europe and they sold some. I don't know. They didn't do really well. And I think I just interrupted Brian. You were going to ask a question. Well, no, I was going to. So I was going to actually ask you about some. Uh, I think Jason a while back had asked about asteroids two. Was that the one that got basically became space tool? Yes. Okay. Okay. It was it was color it was color colored asteroids is the way it started. So it had rotating rocks in in color brown. I don't know why he the guy who did originally did them all in brown. Uh, it just that like put color in it. Uh, and then the ships were different color and the shots had, had special effects. And so when I took it over, I said, you know, I went okay, rotating things. So I made these quasi three D kind of really weird looking objects. I just sort of went crazy on things on that. So I don't know if you've ever seen uh, any of the stuff that... So Jason, who's in the chat, is kind of a arcade tinker, and he's created a color board that takes the intensity mapping from games like Asteroids or uh, Battles on... That were black and white, and then maps them to color. That's So it, you can play Color Asteroids using his little color adapter. Um, and he actually commented earlier, he's seen the tables. I don't know where he saw the tables when you talked about Space Duel and he used <laughs> lookup tables. He's like, I've seen the tables. So it's always fun seeing him in the chat because he'll ask questions that, you know, yeah. what was this for? And the sign will go, who saw that? <laughs> so the, tab the tables originally came from the same game Orbit. So um, 
I wasn't sure how to put those things that orbited on tracks. I didn't know what a track would look like orbiting the sun. So I said, well, I, I need the gravity for the shots and the ships. I'll just make things orbit. So uh, a couple of the guys there, Mike Alba, who was, was a real math wizard, said there's no way the math is accurate enough. So I created these tables to do sine, cosine, tangent. And I didn't have enough memory in, in ROM. So first I cut them in half. I said, well, I can turn them over. Well, now I can cut them in a quarter and I can flip them. And, and I ended up compressing them way down and they worked. And to prove it, we, we put this, the, just before I went home at one night, we gave each space station an initial hit and it started to spin around the, around the star. And I went home. And we came back the next morning, and they were still orbiting. They were a little elliptical, but they were still orbiting. And Alba looks at me and goes, that's good enough. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> a nice QA. <laughs> so it, it surprised me that it was at, it, it worked as well as it did. So a lot of that's used in other places. So today, today we have a ton of different um, development environments that we work in, and we can write code in these development environments. Did you... Did you build your own environments at Atari? Did you have multiples, yes. or, or was it for every game? Did you end up building a new environment, or? In the, in the, initially, there were things you could buy. A thing from Motorola called Micbug, and it was a small board, about you know four by four, and it had a cable that came out that looked like the processor. So in your hardware, you'd plug that where the processor goes. That would attach to a teletype or a terminal, and it, it was type in and out. So my first game was done on a teletype, saved on paper tape. Then we built a black box, which was this first attempt to do our own uh, development environment. Then we built something called the blue box, which was a three-piece logic analyzer, uh, memory replacement, and, and uh, full breakpoints and and run tracing and debugging. It was a really all written in fourth. <laughs> oh. oh man! It was multitasking preemptive. Okay, so it was a it was just before the Apple II came out. This was a fully multitasking preemptive machine. You could have six windows on, you know, hard coded windows. You set the size that was not you couldn't drag them, and they would scroll independently, uh, and each one was running an, an independent uh, thread. Wow, that we wanted to sell it as a computer, and Atari said no. Oh, Damn it, Atari! It was such a cool you machine. You kicked all of the Commodore sixty four asses. <laughs> it was really cool, but it was honest to God, the operating system was built in fourth. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that probably wouldn't sell. <laughs> you didn't have to program in fourth. We pro we had um, yeah we had macro assemblers on there. So you could, we that did sixty five or two sixty eight hundred twenty six fifty. I think there was a support for that at one point. Very early games at Atari. See, what was the first game that was done on that system? I don't know. It's a very good question. Uh, I'm trying, you know, that would be a question for Dave Shepard who. Uh, it was the one who basically ran all that stuff. What Dave was responsible. We used to have two PDP-11 machines with uh, two operators, and you'd write stuff on paper, hand it to them. They would enter it into a PDP-11. It would assemble it. So he took the macro assembler from uh, Digital Equipment Corporation's PDP-11s and converted it for 6502 and 6809. So we had this really powerful macro assembler. And then they would hand you a listing back. There's, I can I can show you one if you want to see it. I have one over there, oh. uh, and uh, and a paper tape, and you would go to your machine and load it up with the paper tape. And when we went to that system, we had a VAX in the back end, ah. so you you could edit on the on a terminal on the VAX, and then download your program straight into the development environment. Wow! When I, when I got into college, it's... we still had a VAX uh, lab. 
So my my father's an old researcher, um, and literally sitting on the living room floor of his place is a paper tape reader. <laughs> that is fine. And I, I, he just he keeps these things. I mean, when I moved him out here, he had all the real to real stuff, but he still has a card reader and a paper tape reader that are not usable at all. But he's got them. That's funny. I, I wonder about Mike because he used to have lots. He had a card reader in his garage. I remember for a while, uh, we laughed about it. I said, "I have a deck of cards. Can we run it through and see what it does?" <laughs> <laughs> oh my, God. my garage, I found a program I did at Berkeley in a box, a deck of cards, and I think it was a thing that printed a Snoopy calendar on a on a line printer. Now you you <laughs> mentioned that uh, Ed was your best man. You mentioned Dave Tur earlier. Do you still hang out? Do you still see a lot of the Atari cronies today? So Ed, Ed Log and so his wife and my family are like adopted families for each other. We do okay. a lot of things together. Cool. Uh, Ed Robert uh, and Rich Adam moved up in Nevada City, so it's a ways away. But uh, he has a, a golf tournament. Tournament That was a weird slip. Uh, every year, and I go up to that, and we talk on the phone all the time. And so That's awesome. he just he just bought a new iMac Pro through me. I got a, got him a, quote, discount from Apple. So oh, cool. he was happy about that. That's 7% off or something. Uh, 15, 15. That's pretty good, actually. Mm. They don't give anybody discounts. They don't. So they have a friends and family thing. You can get you can get like three or four of them before they say say that's enough. Yeah, so, you just cut that out. I think the uh, one that's on my the one that's on my desk right now belongs to Apple. I it's a nine thousand dollar machine. There's no way I'm buying a nine thousand dollar Macintosh. It's just I can't. I I love this thing, but it's just yeah. That's what bothers me about an iMac is I, they're gorgeous, but when the computer is old, what do you do with the monitor? Yeah, yeah, it's you know I, I want it to be a monitor even when it's not a computer as it as it as it gets older. I want to still put it aside as a great big monitor next to my new machine. Should just tap uh, into the video feed. And oh, I bet there's a way to do that. I mean, we do that with. Um, you know, sometimes we'll hack into the video, and RK Jason actually just did this recently. Uh, you can take older CRT monitors, figure out where the video is outputted by right. the quote-unquote computer, and then then sort of put the RGB uh, into it that way. But I'm, I, I'm sure there's a way to do it. Yeah. IMAX for a while let you do it. They used to have an input port for video, but it was really weird because what you did is started the whole computer and the computer was running while it was being a monitor. Yeah. So it was a very expensive monitor to run. <laughs> exactly. And I think they may have taken it off just for that reason. But what would make it very hard is this thing is so well integrated. I mean, if you ever looked inside of one of these now, yeah. uh, it amazes me how tight and compact the hardware is. Uh, I don't know if you could even get at it. I'd be afraid to open it. I'm not opening this one. I opened all my old ones. but yeah, not- I have a newer 21 and a half. But before that, I had a, tw- or was a 20. I don't know what it is. 20, what's the one up from the 20, 24? I don't know. 24. They had a 20, they had a 22, I think, or something like that. Yeah. And a 27. This or is 26. a 27. That's what it is. Yeah. And because uh, my old one was a 21. And, the, and I took the old one apart to upgrade the hard drive. And right. there's like a, a fan connector you have to be wary of because it, <laughs> it'll, if, if it's not hooked up right, it'll run the fan forever after you change the hard drive. That's correct. And uh, <laughs> so I fixed that. And then, but like this new one is even more integrated, and they don't they glue the glass on it or something now. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So, so it's like it's uh, I'm not. There, there are no user serviceable parts inside. I mean, it's yeah. you know, you have to you have to get them configured the way you want them at the beginning. And so. they have hybrid drives too, which nobody else does. So 
Well, they did. Now it's all now solid it's all state. solid state on the board. You know, it's not even a drive; it's just mounted on the board. Yeah, that's crazy. So what, look how compact it is. I mean, this thing. What is this? Like a half an inch thick? Yeah, that's crazy. You know, it's it's beautiful. It's a it's a beautiful monitor. It's gorgeous. I love it. Yeah. I have I have my old two laptops that I use on each side, which are strangely running Star Trek screensavers right now. So <laughs> I knew I love this guy. <laughs> Wait a minute, if I turn this up. What do you got? It makes noise. <laughs> it's not making much noise at the moment. Uh, it's, some, it's a screensaver called System 47, and it just does Star Trek screens. That's funny. Back so at, they, they, they were both going on at about the same time. It's weird that they're both running. I say. <laughs> There's an old Mac screensaver that was just Star Trek stuff. And I took the sprites out and reanimated Spock so he was a rock star. And I worked on that. Yeah, you did. What? Persistence. What? Yeah. What was and what? Who put it out? Was it Interplay? Who put Persistence. Okay. They did the flying the flying toasters. Guys. Yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah. that. I was there for a short time, and they were doing the Star Trek screensaver at that time. And uh, true story, I had met Michael Okuda. The guy who does special effects yeah. for Star Trek. Star Trek, the next generation. Yeah. I met him, and when they were doing the next generation one, I called him up and said, look, we're doing this Star Trek screensaver. It's licensed by Paramount. You must have those video files somewhere that you use for all the screens. He goes, sure. So he packaged them all up and sent them to us. So the, That's awesome. the next generation Star Trek screensaver actually uses the real files, which is really kind of cool. <laughs> I met Michael it was a very- on Facebook uh, because I was a big nerd when I first got on Facebook and gushed about how I loved his uh, work on next gen and his work on the technical manual of all things, which is very cool. And so he, he let me bend his ear for a while and ask a few questions. He's a nice guy. And he's a very cool guy. Hang on. Hang on one second. Yep. Now we're going to get another show and tell. You have to put that on the future list. Michael, let's get it. Let's get Okuda on and figure out if he likes our after dark. Oh, there it is. (laughs) <laughs> oh my that, god that brings this was like memories. the complete this was like the complete collection so it's oh my god it's it's i had that too <laughs> is that still have the box it's not yeah, even yeah. Open. it's got to be the one where spock like the, he yeah, comes out the mind creatures yeah. yes yeah and the horda will go across the screen the horda yeah, yeah. it's freaking awesome this one this was the all of them put together in one box that's cool i would say the complete on the back ah, is there a pong so machine cool. What? What is that yellow thing? Um, they had a trivia game. Oh, they could play with very uh, stupid trivia. So yeah. Oh. <laughs> and the Star Trek ones up there. I just see that one up there next to it. Next generation screensavers up there. Now I have a another question. Uh, I'm we're going a little long tonight, which is fine. But uh, I'm actually really excited about it. So if you don't mind, we'll just keep going till I'm fine. But. Uh, we have a segment on the show you didn't get to hear because you, you started uh, at the top of the hour, but we do a segment called What's in the Juke, which is based on Name That Tune. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Based on what? Uh, name That Tune. Name That name Tune. That tune. Uh, name of a game I did. Exactly, uh, which you yep. had to license. And uh, Can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about the development on that? So the that board that you showed with all the ROMs in it, mm-hmm. there wasn't enough room on it to uh, to do Name That Tune. So it had a special board with banked ROM switching, so we could swap things in and out. Um, 
I didn't come up with the idea. They said, do you want to do this name that tune game? I said, that'd be kind of cool. So I worked with the music guy and and another guy uh, from the Bobs, a group called the Bobs. Uh, he did a lot of the uh, uh, arranging and we, he arranged, you know, I forget how many songs are in there and we crammed as many songs as we could get into there. And then the artist, I worked with the artist to get as close as we could to make it look like the game. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to say, to play the game when you're playing on a video game because it's not quite the same. Right. But, um, but you know, we did the best we could on it and it plays a lot of songs that had a, yep. the, the, the Sente game had a digit design, uh, synthesizer in it. So we could actually do pretty decent music. Yeah. The, um, it's funny cause the sounds on the Sente system are really, you start playing with the different games. They're really pretty phenomenal. Yeah. What they had going on in there. And actually what's funny is one of the reasons I decided to do this board instead of the other ones is this only has the XP21 or 2212 uh, chip. Okay. Whereas all the other boards have security pals. <laughs> uh, I forgot about that. That's right. And and so like the name of that tomb board is a 10 ROM board. And yet yes. you did have, I actually have it right here, but um, there's a pal on there. And so the pal would basically was a security pal for a n number of the different games. Um, and so this one, the harder ones that everybody seems to want are these older ones, but then the newer boards got a little bit more complicated in how they did their security. Yeah. The, the uh, so you have to understand about, so no longer snow had this weird idea. You guys have video games. You know what you do when you move them. You take one from here, you go over there, take that one from there. And he thought, well, that's really stupid. Why don't we just have them have a cartridge and a panel and a control panel, and they just go plug it in and swap it. And they'll have to carry a couple pounds worth of stuff around. Yep. Um, except that that requires someone trained in how to do it. To move a video game, you just need a guy who has a truck that can lift heavy things. So yep. when they put them out in the field, the same guys would go pick up the whole sack system and move it and bring the other one and swap them in locations. They didn't use the feature at all. Very few no. people use that. Oh, because it is frustrating because I thought it was a brilliant idea. Pull out a cartridge, put in a cartridge, right? Uh, clip some control panels out, disconnect, connect. You got a whole new game. Nope. Very few people use that. Well, and wow. it's funny because that basically is how they did. I mean, so when, when you started to get to dynamos and like Naomi systems, that is what became almost the standard. But again, coming back to that idea, they would actually sell full panels with the board. So you didn't actually even have to change the cartridge. You just had to like unplug two cables in the back, slide your new control panel in right. and go. But it's, I mean, you guys had that, what was it, 84? Yeah, something like that. 83, 84, somewhere in there. I mean, and, and it's simple. I mean, there's like eight screws on the top of the panel, one plug. It's meant to come out real quick. <laughs> yeah. It's just, yeah. Even, even the artwork, the top was meant to come out real easily. Yeah. yeah. And it was all the tops were translates. They weren't marquees. So you could just roll them up, put them in a box. I mean, it's like. It's it was amazing. designed. That's, that was its goal. I mean, no one had a great idea, but the, they would not hire trained techs. And they just didn't like the idea, so but they knew how to move a game. So. Even this, even the connector. So this is one of the funnier things. The connector is actually an aircraft style. Like this is what they use for control panels and control systems and aircrafts and submarines. Well, you realize how many times people are going to pull them in and push them out and. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, and well, and that's and I mean it, it lines up perfectly. It's got guide pins on each end. I mean it's. It was exactly if you notice there's a shorter pin in the originals, so that there's designed to connect the data lines before the power comes up. 
Can you hold that up again, Brian, so people can see it in the chat? Yeah. The edge connector. And hold it at an angle so that the light catches it. There you go. It's yeah. it's pretty it's pretty amazingly strong. Yeah. And the and these stupid edge connectors are like twenty three dollars now retail if you don't find <laughs> them in bulk. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I wonder what they cost originally. Um, I managed to find them for about a quarter that cost. My guess is originally they're probably in bulk in the two to three dollar range. With yeah, what I'm seeing, it makes it more right. You have to find new old stock. Or the amp is still doing some of them. Um, and they actually the funny thing about amp is they get all these demands for like completely different specs. So there's like this connector done with like eighteen different tail lengths. So if you want to solder it and just clip the tails, you can get them for like you know I mean it's well, it's really cool. fun. But I went and bought out like three overstock places. <laughs> oh my god! That's uh, that's now that I have the board design, I might as well, you know, play around with it a little bit. <laughs> go full circle, by the way. You mentioned Shrike. That was the last game I did. Yeah. Which game? I pretty much. I pretty much closed the doors and sold the computers after that. Shrike. 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 I, 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 every time I see Shrike. it, I think it's, that a, it's a typo. Okay. Yeah. Shrike is a. It's a, at least explained to me was a. A bird which impales its food on thorns. <laughs> I didn't come up with the name. That's what I was told. Uh, I've never looked it up, but it, maybe that's true. Shrike. Uh, Shrike. So it's supposed to be the Shrike or the Avenger in the game. <laughs> yeah, so the, they had a guy that started. That's another one of those things to take it over. He started the game, but he was also the system admin for the Vax machine we had at Bally. And he was having he was struggling getting it going forward, and they were going to do downsizing at that point. So they said, "Guess what? You're the new Vax guy because we know you know how to run them." And please finish this game. Oh no! So again, it was another like six weeks to. I wanted to knock off um, uh, Last Starfighter, and that's really what I tried to do with the gameplay that's in there. That'd be cool. I didn't have enough. There was a scene where the mothership comes up and it comes at you, and you have to shoot the little turret and. Yeah, that must have been pretty inspirational to see. Let's go. 1986, (laughs) that that movie, uh, Last Starfighter, had computer graphics that no other movie had ever had. It was was almost all computer graphics in the backgrounds, yeah. Yeah. The weird part is when they showed it to us, we were going to do that game at Atari. If you you watch the movie, look at the credits, and at the very end it says, play the video game by Atari. Yeah. Oh! Never got done. But they took everybody from Atari and they showed us the movie early, but it was all blue screen and green screen and you couldn't really tell what was going on at all. (laughs) It was all added as graphics later. It was it's like, oh, this is what a movie looks like without the sound or the graphics. It's like, why are these people walking around like that? (laughs) (laughs) But that was a fun game. We actually almost killed a kid with that. So it's uh with the the strike of if you had seen it, I mean, you can go on and look at this. I think what they call it, the SAC 2 or the SAC. I can't remember what it was called. It's uh, I think it's the SAC 2. A songbird with a strong, sharp, hooked bill often impairing yeah. its oh, prey. Oh, there it is. Oh, oh yeah, I love that one. Oh, that's interesting. That's, yeah, that's so that. it's hard to, in fact, you, I don't, you can't see it because there's too much reflection on here. I think it's uh, yeah, I can. The, do you have it somewhere? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. we can put it in the chat. SAC so. 2. Okay, so the SAC 2 was a, was a movable seat on top of a, a game console. And so it was a, honestly, it was a U-joint from a Corvette because they were very strong. They made really good ones at the front. So it rocked on the front and then two ball jacks in the back that could move up down. So you could move it kind of like that. 
and it had so much protection to not ever run the ball jacks off the end. And one kid, Great America, was playing it, and it ran right off the end and flipped right upside down. And we were all standing there going, oh, God. And he got <laughs> out of this thing giggling, thinking it was the funniest thing. He goes, he goes can I do that again? I'm like, crap, shut up all day. You know, it's like, how did that happen? We don't have no abort, idea. Abort, abort. <laughs> there were three software checks. There were two hardware checks and a and a strong cable, and it none of them worked. It just like it failed completely. Uh, wow! Was how many of those units were actually made? Um, uh, probably ten or twelve, I think. Ow! <laughs> I have one more. You asked, I, so orbit says only twelve were made on Clav. If that's right, twelve. Okay, so yep. I know I know it's about that amount. That's orbit. I don't know if you can see that one either. It's too much glare. Oh yeah, I see. Oh yeah. Now, did you have anything to do with Moonquake? That was one of the other. No, I, that that was a game. I think they bought, they licensed. Huh. I don't think Atari did Moonquake itself. I actually liked that game. That was a fun game to play. Well, yeah. The, well, the Bally. So it was like the. Um, oh, like, you mean you mean Bally's game? I'm yeah. Thinking where you drive the car on. Uh, that was done by um, God. I'm trying to remember who did that game. Bob might have done that. Uh, I didn't work on it, but I, I know that game. The one where you bounce around and the things fall away from underneath you. And yeah, yeah, they were really big into that. That you know, quasi three dimensional, orthogonal view. And it some people yep. could play it, some people couldn't. Yeah. It confused some people. You know, it's where do you go? Is it's actually up? It's not over, even though it looks like it's at an angle. Uh, Zaxxon was that the one the flying game where you flew over the yeah the, uh, is that the one I'm thinking of the right one yep that is correct yeah that one had that same kind of three dimensional and Return of the Jedi the, I I submitted I submitted 3D whatever but yeah, yeah the, no, no, I, I think the first game they did was Gridley that was Ed Rocker he did yeah. Gridley which was this thing that bounced and you had to you had to control them to bounce on a, the proper squares and pick things up yeah. and it was very confusing for people it's like a it's kind of Qbert. Qbert is uh, probably one of yeah. the few games that's navigable after a while. Yes, even that confuses people at times because the, the cubes, your vision switches, right? It inverts yeah. it at times. Yeah. So, so um, we have a question from the chat: uh, Why Quack was never released to the public and kept beta only? I wonder if that's the same guy who sent me all the questions in the email last week. Probably. <laughs> it, it's the same. It's the same canned answer everywhere. It didn't earn. Yeah. That was yeah. Mark Cerny's very first game. After he did that, uh, he was added to my team because I had been working on Major Havoc for about a year, a little over a year, and there was a lot more I wanted to do. So they put two programmer, they put a second program on it. You can tell where Mark's work starts because it's the hard stuff. <laughs> so last four waves for all Mark. I still can't get through them all the way out every time. They are hard. So you talked a little bit about games you like. What's your favorite not a game that you did not design? What is your favorite? Uh, this is There's a couple of them. I, strangely, I love the Sega game, the Star Trek Simulator. Yes. Mm, yes. I don't know why I like that. Good morning, Captain. You know, yes. like, that's, yeah, yeah. that's why. That's why you <laughs> like it. Because Maybe you're that's the captain. Why. I, I want to hear that guy talk. <laughs> Yeah. But now, when you play that game, you never look at the first-person view. You play the whole thing right. on the map top, and you can kick butt on that game all the time. Yeah. Uh, but um, I probably Defender was probably one of my favorite games. I know, I know Eugene Jar Jarvis. He worked with us for a while. Uh, that's a brilliant game. 
You know, it's funny. Well, I've heard a lot of people at Atari say Defender was their favorite, and that there was a Defender machine at Atari that people could play. Exactly. <laughs> Find me there at three in the morning trying to beat the high score someone put on there. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, and the the and another thing that's brought up about Atari a lot is uh, the culture. And uh, what you talking about? <laughs> and, yeah, you don't know what I'm talking about. And Ed did the same thing. Ed said, and Ed buttoned up tighter than I don't know. It was hilarious. When I tried to get him to say anything, you know, it, about meetings, it's mostly and, true. Yeah. So everything you read on the internet is true. Is basically what you're it's saying. mostly true. That my favorite thing that happened at Atari when we engineering got its own building is you would hear, we had a paging system. So anybody could pick up the phone, dial a number and page the building. And they finally had to take that away because people would abuse it like crazy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but you would hear SD Modiano to the upstairs conference room. SD Modiano to the, and do you know what SD Modiano is? The name of a rolling paper. <laughs> what? <laughs> 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 so you weren't, the upstairs conference room had a balcony. If, if you've seen Day at Atari, where they push the game off the top, that was the balcony on that building. So they would go upstairs and out on the balcony, and you know that's that's oh yeah, that was, that's, uh, cigarette the rolling the papers. review board, as they like to call it. Attention, Atari cashiers, uh, uh, code red. <laughs> oh, there was some, there was some strange. It, the management got pissed because we would have these someone would do something sarcastic on the pager and then everybody had a topic and they, they would go for <laughs> for 10 minutes silly pages uh, <laughs> my favorite story is that it, we had got this new phone system from a company called Rome R-O-L-M um, and I strictly by accident I was able to get time stuck on the page but I knew what I did and so we couldn't get it to stop. It was just at the tone, the time will be. And it was just going on and on and on. <laughs> and finally I had to go unplug the, the phone unit, plug it back in, stop it. So they said, well, you broke it. You go tell Rome that what happened. So I called them and I said, and the guy said, there's absolutely no way you can do that. So I said, well, can I come over there and show you? So I went to Rome and at the guy's desk who said it can't be done, I put time on their paging system. They were not happy about it. <laughs> and he goes, you're not supposed to be able to do that. Okay, that's why I'm here, right? <laughs> Man, I think Rome was sold to Lockheed Martin, and it was a technical defense system type situation. They made two things. They made hardened computers. Yes. Originally data general ones, but they these things, military computers and phone systems. Why those two why? things? I, I have no idea. That's funny. <laughs> that's where the money is. Yeah, I mean, so I don't know. phone PBXs, and there, there was... They, Everybody had them in those days when you had your own phone system. It was much cheaper than having the phone company pay for every line. I have oh, a PBX. That's a I used to do stuff to them when I was in junior high, but I can't talk about it. So. Wait, <laughs> I had this little funny little blue box thing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like Captain Crunch blue box. So the Captain Crunch whistle is the tone that does the interrupt. Yeah. So that's where that's where the name came from. Yeah. Um, if you went to any library at that time, you could find the whole book on the switching system and all the tones and their frequencies that made things happen. So you'd play the Cap'n Crunch tone, you'd get an interrupt, you now had the attention of the computer, and you could route your call. So when we built one of those at UC Berkeley, there were two phone booths next to each other, and we would start on this phone booth and route a call all the way around the world to ring the phone next to it. 
So you could go, hello, set it down, walk over and wait for it to come over on this side. It would take that long to come around. <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> they were, yeah, I mean, it was all public. It was all published. Yeah. It, it was all, this is how the phone switching works. You know, I guess they didn't think people would hack it, but they right. did. did. Did you know about phone loops in the 80s and 70s? Or? I, I don't know if you use the same name I do. That's where two numbers would connect. Yes, you could call one end and then the other end you could talk to each other. And sometimes people would set up conference calls that had no intention of ever ending. So there was never a billing. And so you could, you could actually talk to people across the United States. Yeah, you would call the... In the zone, you would call the one between you. Yes. And then you'd keep hooking them together. 0045 and 0046 in any prefix did that. Yep. Not, any, yeah. not anymore. No, not at all. Left is 0020 does a one kilohertz tone. I think in, that's still there. In Houston, it was 1199 and 1499. I don't know right. why that was it. but <laughs> Yeah, but yes. in San Jose, I lived in Oakland. We used to both call the number in Hayward and we could talk to each other with no charge. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> and then Mike Alba tells his phone hack that you would call someone like in long distance and then you would leave the phone off the hook. Neither person would hang up. And then one minute after you called the next day, you would hang up. And then you'd call the phone company and say, What do you mean a day in a minute? I didn't talk to anybody for a day. Right. That's obviously a bug. I talked to him for a minute. You know, it's like <laughs> get them reverse the charges. <laughs> so that's a computer fly. You know, like, I love that cat. That that was my favorite. And then there was there was the cap you could put over the. They call them black boxes. You put a capacitor over the the two lines that came into your house, and they it would absorb the ring voltage. Yes. So you would get a little light. You put a little LED there, a neon, and you pick it up and you just hit hit the hang up button really quick and that would stop the ringing. But the phone company did not think the call connected and you could talk for hours that way as well. <laughs> yep. Don't publish this stuff in a book. No. You know, use it. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I, I want to thank you for being on the show and I want to wrap up with a couple of questions from the chat. Okay. Uh, and so, I'm happy to do it again at some point. If there's more, I, oh, I'll that'd be, be great. I'll, I'll come oh, back for sure. We would love that. Um, Billy Seven said, "What is your best memory from working at Atari?" Best memory? I th it's a collective thing. It's just the people that I worked with. I mean, we made a lot of friends there uh, that I still see to this day. It also was the very first job I had out of college, so it really spoiled the hell out of me for other jobs which weren't as much fun. <laughs> hey. Right? So Atari and Bally, my first two jobs, fantastic, were, were playing right, and then I go. I went to a place called Interactive Productions. That was with Rob Fulop, one of the first companies to put video and graphics together in a device. Uh, ended up being used in those kiosks you used to see in, in, in tourist areas. You could They would show you information on restaurants. Yeah. Uh, and then I went to Apple, and Apple was fun, but it wasn't Atari or Sente. It sure. really wasn't. And then uh, Yoetti says, uh, kind of on the same question as I had was, um, were the Atari office parties as legendary as everybody says? Well, there was a lot of them. <laughs> I, I, I'd love to know which ones he's thinking of. I used to throw a, uh, a pool party every year at my house whose name was Tropical Inebriation. <laughs> and the rules were very simple. So I would, we would set up three or four barbecues, and I would buy ice and things to mix in tropical drinks, and 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 alcohol and if people brought a blender 
for us to use everything. They didn't have to bring anything else. If they didn't bring a blender, they had to bring something to go in the blender. Oh, uh, oh. So you would sit on tables outside because it made a horrible mess. Yeah. It was sticky at the end of the day. And we would just mix up strange tropical drinks. That's crazy. Uh, That's so- that one was a lot of fun, actually. But yes, the Atari paid-for parties were pretty phenomenal. Awesome. But Apple's were too. Apple had some some of the best parties I've ever been to were Apple. Well, the first time I was at Apple, uh, they they used to go all out. We Cirque du Soleil was was at one of Apple's parties. Wow, you know, I mean they went nuts those days. So I mean you knew and, all this stuff about phone hacking and stuff, phone freaking and whatnot too. Did you ever connect up with Waz? I've met Waz. We've talked before. I, we kind of we passed. Sure. Same with Steve. I've been at Apple at the non-Steve years. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I've met him. I've my wife uh, was the editor of Unix World magazine when they put him on the cover, and uh, he does not have much of a sense of humor, no. <laughs> or did not, I should say. Yeah, Because right, uh, yeah. they were talking about what should they do with him, and she jokingly said, "Well, why don't you sit naked, cross-legged on the floor, and we'll put the next cube in your lap?" And she's you know, totally tongue in cheek on this You're thing, right. and he's like, "That's not funny." <laughs> It's oh. <laughs> not quite that amusing at all. Good. <laughs> I thought I was hysterical personally, but and then, you know, it was a play on the thing with the Mac in his lap originally. So. All right, I have one more question out of the chat, and we're gonna wrap up. And we'd like you to stick with us after the outro, so we can say goodbye to you on a personal note. Uh, Absolutely. Mister uh, the Gleek says, "When can we expect an autobiography? Oh God, an autobiography by Owen." I've never ever thought about doing that. I don't even have a Wikipedia page, so you know. It's I like, saw I, that I it just that. redirects. You can't do your own page. Huh. I'm gonna oh, okay. So we'll go do it for you. Yeah. Here we go. You can't, you can't. You're not allowed to do your own page. That's theoretically. Be somebody else. Well, well we'll I have a lot of references there to games and stuff. But, well, yeah. we'll start uh, it, and then you can correct everything when we're done. So you know what I would say is I would to answer that question. Um, I've actually started a sci-fi book that I'm stuck on because I don't know how it ends. Uh, but when I retire for real, I might write that story. It'd be kind of fun. That'd be cool. I My like wife's that. in the book business. That's what she does. Oh, that's right. I think I saw your wife mention you in a like a cookbook or something. Or possibly yes. She's yes. she her book is called Will Write for Food. Yes. Yes, and it's about how to write about food. I, <laughs> that's awesome. I was reading it. I'm like. This can't be the same Owen Rubin. How many open Owen Rubens are there? Yeah, Th- that's me. And I also got a weird mention inside of a. She had one of her author friends stay the night, and then who's a very famous cook from Greens in in San Francisco, and wow. she's done a lot of books. I'm not going to mention names here, but uh, she, she spent the night, and like my wife is freaking out. She can't make her breakfast. I said, "Well, not. I'll make breakfast. What do I have to lose? I'm not a chef. Yeah. You know, I don't. I'm not in the business." <laughs> That's and awesome. when she did her next book, and it was books about what you your comfort foods and what you eat if you're home and you build something alone. And I have this egg sandwich I make, so I made it for her, and it got, ended up getting mentioned in the book, <laughs> which was which is hysterical. Someone said, "You're in her book. You did know that? Like in the, about the eighth page? Like what?" <laughs> <laughs> and my wife said she knew that, but she wasn't going to tell me until the book came out. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Well, on that note, we're going to say, hey, thanks for being on the show again. And Chatters, thank for sticking with us tonight. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry for the startup. Honestly, God, Skype hadn't run for so long. It told me I had to change my passwords. That's not a problem. I Uh, mean, 
You were way, way faster at getting online than uh, Brian Colon was. I will end the interview section with a nice comment from uh, Arcade Jason says, tell Owen I said thanks. I am pleased that people still want to play this stuff. And, you know, and and me talking about it helps you have fun playing it. I'm happy to talk about it. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Well, uh, that's going to wrap it up for tonight. I want to thank you for listening in to the double R's. That's the Arcade Radio. Hey, don't forget to check out Old School Gamer Magazine. You can pick up a subscription over at OldSchoolGamerMagazine.com. Check out our website at ArcadeRadio.com. That's R-C-A-D-E-R-A-D-I-O.com for our social media and swag links. You can also call and leave comments at 612-548-GAME. That's 4263 in case you don't know what spelling is. (laughs) (laughs) Enjoying the show? Pick up some Arcade Radio swag over at Teespring.com slash Arcade Radio or consider supporting our Patreon campaign over at Patreon.com slash Arcade Radio. There's multiple tiers. You can start just three bucks a month. Any bit helps us keep this thing going. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's just one click of the notification bell. And so you'll know when we're streaming live and talking about Exterminator. <laughs> if you like we're what you're hearing... <laughs> <laughs> if you like what you're hearing, consider dropping a five-star review. Well, wow, that's asking a lot. On Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume our podcast which is currently up to date all the way up to Warren Davis. That's yeah. Gonna, <laughs> Warren Davis. Cool. That's right. That's going to be for the show from Arcade Radio. We hope you had a blast, and we'll see you on the next episode. That's where we dance. <laughs>